These are people who have provided a lot of service to the city and county of San Francisco. They've helped drivers. They've helped callers. And these people need to be considered as medallion holders. Marion is a very good dispatcher. And I would like to speak for her and Andy Sanico. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, in regards to Mr. Zemichael, uh, item number uh, B2, uh, this is an individual who's been a cab driver for a long time with the city of San Francisco. Uh, he was, in the years that he was required to provide waybills in 05 and 06, uh, he did drive with, with cab companies. He was a full-time driver. I mean, it's, it's sort of a shame that, you know, a lot of these drivers don't have the maybe foresight or, or knowledge to keep copies of their way bills for when you know their medallions come up when they have their names on their on the list uh, it's uh, the, the, the color schemes that he worked for don't don't have copies of those medallions of those way bills either um, it's I think uh, you know certainly at Royal we, we try our best to keep and document everything but you know whenever there's humans involved there's bound to be mistakes that happen so I think it's sort of harsh to penalize him for the mistakes that some of the other folks have done he's brought, brought me quite a bit of evidence proving that he's been you know, driving and serving the city for quite some time. So uh, I urge you to give him his medallion and give him his opportunity. You're speaking to item B2. Item Mr. B2, Mr. Tesfamerium Zimikio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Uh, good evening, Commissioner. Gratch McCartan here. Uh, you have an uh, agenda uh, E, Section 2 and 6, two taxi cabs moving from DeSoto to Bay and from uh, Royal to Bay Cab Company, I would like to you to uh, consider the situation that Bay Cab doesn't have a legal right to occupy the property. I don't think he has legal right to use business address. And I ask Mr. Roger Cardenas to provide me any evidence of proof that he has a legal right to be in the property. Uh, he refused to submit, uh, give me. I contacted the tax commission office and I speak with Jordana about this uh, issue. She also told me that there is no evidence of proof about his legal status at the, at the premises. And I would urge you to put a uh, hold on the, any movement to the backup until you clarify uh, what's the real situation with, with Mr. Roger Cardenas and backup company. Thank you. Thank you, Carl McMurrow. I just walked in the room and there are no agendas, or so I'm a little bit of a disadvantage. But B1, the person named Henry, um, I think that's, we've been over that. The Board of Appeals has shown a lot of sympathy for people who barely miss under bright line rules, and I think he would get his medallion if it were denied. And C1, Marion is someone who's been in the industry for a long, long time. I do understand that as of now, the key personnel. Uh, the exemptions where the re driving requirements are reduced don't apply to applicants, but I think that will change within a year or so. And so if you cannot, I, I'm hoping that you won't flat out remove her from the list. If nothing else, leave her somehow continued or floating, if that's possible. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. I'm Steve G., Max Gap Manager. Um, on behalf of uh, item B2, Tesfa Zimikel, he is currently a uh, full-time driver for MaxCab, and um, I would encourage you to, um, to at least give him the benefit of uh, hearing what he has to say. Since he's been with MaxCab for the last two years, 
He's extremely, extremely good driver, good communicator, extremely thorough in his waybills. Um, as you can see, those waybills that I submitted for him or gave to him to submit to the commissions are, uh, if you look through them, they're very thorough. As far as the uh, 2005 and 2006 misplacements of his, of his waybills, um, that's probably just a mishappen, misfortunate happening with those companies. Um, or at least give him a consideration to maybe extend him a um, one-year uh, extension or something to that effect. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners of Martin Smith. Uh, I just wanted something that Gretchen McCarrion said. I just want to rebuke that, that uh, I know a fact that Roger Cardenas does pay rent on the lot because I, when I was property manager, he was handing me rent checks for David Van. And, and he did have, uh, he was on the property paying rent. Thank you. Any other public comment on the consent calendar? David, are you? Okay. Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. Um, so we can take a motion on all those items that have not been severed. I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Okay. All right. Motion to approve. Item numbers A, B4, C2 through 8, E1 through 6. Very good. Is there a second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Congratulations, Kathleen. <laughs> okay. So for, uh, let's see, item number B1. This we have a memo on, and the staff recommendation I think is a good one. Uh, that we that there uh, was some question and that they've demonstrated good faith and that they should be subject to quarterly audits for the next for the coming year yeah you, you've done that before like with Ralph Machovsky so you know he, he really has improved Mr. Marscano and he came in and he was he was really really nice and just just a really great guy so okay I have no problem with that recommendation is there a motion and a second? Motion to approve. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Approved. Congratulations, sir. Um, now, number B3 or B2 on Mr. Uh, Tesfamariam Zemakale. Is there anything you'd like to add to this, or uh, Director Thigpen? I, it, it, there seems to be some question, not of the well, short. Prorated for 208, 2007 he makes it. He's short about half the hours for 2006, and we have very little record of anything for 2005. So he needs three of four right now, or four out of five? He needs three of four right now. Okay, so if we give him 2008, 2007, what is in question is in 2006. It, um, as I understand it, he. He's produced everything that he has, but that he's making a claim that there were other shifts that he did that he doesn't have any. Mr. Z uh, are you still here? Can you come up? Sir, where did you work in 2006? 2006, I was over Please use the microphone so we can. I'm sorry. 2006, I was a uh, Just go ahead and speak right into it. Don't, you don't touch need... it, sir. Yeah, sorry. just speak right into it so yeah. we can hear you. 2006, I was a metro, metro cop. In 2005, metro? I was national. 
Okay. So the one missing is a national. Most of it. We have a we have a memo from Metro Cab, right? On this, do we have a somewhere? Here we go. Yes, it's on the back side of the lectures. Yeah. So this memo saying that he drove 51 shifts at Metro Cab is that that's the 338 hours that we've credited him for. You know, we have a letter from Metro Cab, sir, saying that you drove 51, 51 no, I, I shifts. Don't, I don't. I, I wrote from them 47, 47 waybills, actually. 47? 40, 40, I found 47 waybills. In addition? Or from Metro? From Metro. Yeah, so that's referring to the ones that... So those are the ones we've counted? Yeah. It, okay. That's all I found, yeah. He, he, he pointed me four or five boxes. I you understand that that number of shifts doesn't qualify you for the full-time driving requirement for that year, right? Oh, yeah. But year 2005, I was national. Okay. I was, but... You need to only have qualified. You have 2007, 2008. You need to have either 2005 or 2006. And all we have is a letter from Metro stating that you worked a limited number of shifts in 2006 that doesn't add up to 800 hours no, or 150. Well, what are talking about? Year 2005. Year 2005. Well, if you were to qualify for 2005, you could use that. You have yeah. to use either three of the previous four years. So, but uh, the reason now is... But we only have a record of three years for 2000, three hours for 2005 for you. National. Yeah, they, they, they lost my way bills, though. That's the problem. I, I used to drive CNG cab. What company were you at at 2005? And yeah, National. With and they uh, lost. Yeah, they lost it. Yeah, I got uh, notarized from uh, the guy that I, were, I was working with. It. He notarized it. You were a long-term lease driver. Long -term, he, he was long-term lease. I was with other guy, and I was working with him. It was CNG Cup. Now they they say they only find one way bills. Well, according to Dan Hines, the manager of the company, that cab went back to Gase and Gas in April, and that you were scheduled to work three, a long-term lease, three shifts a week, but there's no record past April of any, I mean, there's no record at all of anything except that you were scheduled on a long-term lease for three shifts a week. But past, once April came around, that cab reverted back to a Gates and Gasp. So, I mean, the bottom line is that we don't have any record of you driving the full-time amount in 2005 and 2006. I got from the, the leaser guy. He, he notarized it. I was working full-time for, for, for him, though. I was working five, six nights a week. And I got my, my gas statement, you know, CNG that I was using. And I, I was working for him. It's not, it's not a way bill. It's not evidence for our purposes. I mean, it's... I don't know. Are there any other commissioners that have any comments on this? I mean, I can't, if our staff has determined that you don't meet the full-time driving requirement, I can't just vote to grant you a medallion. If you have no record of you having driven 
and there's no record in the company of you having driven. I can continue this. I can grant you continuance if you feel like there's some way that you could produce evidence that you drove full-time in 2005, 2006. Oh, well, he, he notarized it. I was, I was driving every, every time with him. Mr. Slaughter. Okay. Can, can, is this a letter that you've submitted to us before, or is it something new? Uh, well, no, something pass, new. Why don't we pass it up and see what it is. Um, Executive Director, have you, has anyone been in touch with National Cab to see what they're? What they're National, National Cab's statement is as follows. Per the request of Scott Leon, investigator for the Taxi Commission, I have attempted to locate Waybells, Jessica Zemichel, who reportedly drove under our color scheme in 2005. Although my effort is not conclusive, I was able to identify Mr. Zemichel as a lease driver with a long-term lease. Although he was listed on the schedule for three shifts a week, I was able to locate only one waybill for 2005. Now, he goes on to state as follows. This particular medallion was returned to the gas and gate fleet at some point in April, meaning April 2005, and I have been unable to locate any record of Mr. Zemichel driving this or any other cab after this point in time. If I could just say, if there's anyone in the audience who has the agenda packet for tonight, could is there someone out there that has it that is looking at that? If we could return it to the, the main table. Thanks. Commissioner Benjamin, did you? I was just thinking, do they have any uh, any other way besides the way bills, keeping track, like a roster, that he would have uh, shown up? Well, that's what Dan is saying, is that he Dan checked and there's nothing. Hmm. I mean... He's claiming he drove, drove for I don't know who, whether it's a broker or some other individual. I don't know, but Sergeant Reynolds is going to talk about this a little bit later, about long-term leases and the kind of problems that they represent for the industry. and um, Not long-term leases, I, I shouldn't say that, but, but problems with, with individuals operating kind of outside the bounds of color schemes, rather. And th this is one of the issues, whether he was driving or not. We can't – the only evidence that we have – is the statements from the company owners, which both indicate there's no record of him driving, and the fact that there's no waybills and he's unable to produce any waybills. That's the evidence that you have before you. What we've been submitted here tonight is the person who, uh, Barakat Bayan, who was, uh, seems like he was the primary leasee of the vehicle from National who claims that he worked. Sir, as you understand, this is not really evidence to prove that you were a cab driver for those years. Um, this is a statement by someone who you were supposedly uh, leasing the vehicle from, but it's not evidence for our purposes. Like you had evidence for 2007 and 2008, real waybills for real shifts. I'm also taking a look, though. I agree with you. This does not constitute uh, waybills, but in it is a statement that says that uh, Barakat uh, Ban gave the waybills to National. Now, if he's here, I'd like to speak with him. Is this gentleman here? I'm, uh, he's telling me he's going to be here, but he hasn't he haven't, he haven't come yet. Because then I would have to ask why they can only find one waybill. If he gave them a stack of waybills, I just want to ask the question to them. Yeah. Refresh my mind, Director Thigpen. Has this been continued before, or is this the first time? 
Um, has come up before This is the us. first time, but I mean... Because you weren't here at the last meeting to explain the situation, so that was why it was continued from correct. last meeting. Okay. Correct. But I mean, I like I say, just to be bend over backwards and be fair, I'm willing to grant you a continuance if you feel like in two weeks' time you could produce some evidence of your having driven in either 2005 or 2006. A letter from a, a permit holder saying that you drove isn't really that type of evidence, although the letter claims that there were waybills submitted to National Cab. Now, if they were submitted under your name, then there should be some record of them. Well, can I, can I ask the question of the Executive Director, uh, if we've had experience in the past with National about their record-keeping prowess, and if there's been issues in the past about getting uh, accurate counts of waybills from them? I mean, we've got we've got a we've got a guy who says this is what is how he made a living. We've got a letter from somebody saying that he that yeah that's how he made a living, um, and we've got uh, his uh, and we've got a, a cab company that says I'm sorry, and we've got a statement that says I gave them the waybills, and we've got what what do we have from what do we have from National? What, and, and what has our experience been with National in the past? I mean, I I'm very reluctant. I'll, my view is I'm very reluctant to grant a medallion in this in this situation because it just is then it becomes every single time and you have to you know and, and the record keeping has been crappy and 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 so then you're treating people differently because you like them or don't like them or whatever the, whatever the issue is right and so but but on the other hand I, I don't you got a guy who hears but if he's been driving and if he's been waiting and if and all this kind of stuff you know I don't want to penalize him because national screwed up and I and I don't know if that's true or not true but it does seem sort of far-fetched to think that they could lose a, effectively a full year's worth of waybills, and so I could. So that's why I sort of put the question to you, like, you know, hey, what's our experience been with them in the past? Um, well, Director Thigpen, are you able to answer? Did you do the investigation on this, or was it a member of our staff who would have done the investigation on this? Because I don't want to put you on the spot to answer a question that you might not actually have the answer for. I mean, I'm, the thing is, what I'm trying to do is saying I'm willing to grant a continuance if there's someone on our staff who has done this investigation and they've actually gone to National and and found out that yeah, they have done that. That's what the I mean. It says Dan's letter says, per the request of Scott Leon, I'm Dan and I'm the record keeper for my company and I'm telling you that this is what I have. MetroCab has told you the same thing. He's searched his records again pursuant to staff request. Metro, he's been given credit for though, right? Yeah, the ones, but he's saying it's still short of the 800. Right. But, it's, but at least the 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 waybills that Rich Heibel said that he had at Metro were credited for him, and that's in reflected in the hours. Right. But it's still short of 800. Right. And so he's he's claiming that Rich lost additional waybills, but Rich's records show that no, that's all he worked. That's all he worked. So I mean. Again, you know, this, if you continue it, my fear is that, and this is actually an issue that came up at Board of Appeals the other night on Wednesday, is there were some discrepancies that were noticed from a submission that was made, and it was like, well, I'm going to point these out because that's my duty to point out these discrepancies, but all it's going to do is provide now an additional opportunity for these discrepancies to be cleared up in the interim. And, again, that is my fear here. I'm, I'm sorry, but we do our research, we do our investigation, and I'm sorry, but... We didn't find any factual dispute here. In cases where there's factual dispute, 
we, that's why we have the new procedure with the hearing officer. We want to provide people with an opportunity to clear these up. We do speak to people, you know, with, like with Andy Seneca. We're, we're, we talk to them. We, we're trying to be as fair as possible. But I'm sorry, but here we, at some point there has to be standards. I'm sorry. Well, it's not, it's not to be sorry for. I mean, this is what this, we want to have standards, and that's what Commissioner Slaughter and I are trying to find out, that if we have letters, those claiming, I mean, is there anything more we can do is my question. And if we've actually done everything that we can do on our end, then the responsibility at certain points, sir, is yours to produce, you know, evidence that you are a full-time driver. It's the, the taxi staff can't conjure up waybills and can't give you credit for things that they don't have in front of them or that don't exist. And when we have letters from companies saying that this is all we have, that's what we have to go by to a certain I, I don't know if this could even be done at this point um, or if it's even worthy, you know, to be done. But in um, Mr. Zemekiel's letter uh, to the commissioners here, he says he drove cab 990 and cab 496 at National. So why wouldn't there have been a record of anyone driving those cabs for a full year? Why they only have one? Yeah, that's true. I mean... That's just a question. And I'm not doubting the thorough research. I'm doubting what National gave to the commission, not the other way around. Well, it's, I mean, Dan keeps waybills by, um, he keeps them by cab. That's what he's explained to me in the past. He does keep them by cab. He keeps number. them by cab, yeah. And so there, there must be waybills there for that particular day. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, for no, that for particular those cab. Medallions. Right, for those yeah. medallions. And sure, the cab's going to show up at the airport. There's no question that cab was in in operation, you know. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that. I mean, Dan's not going to leave two cabs sitting on the lot for, for a whole year. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so, so I guess my question is, and I, I guess it would be very cumbersome um, for National to say, okay, if he keeps them by the medallion number and he's looked at and what I'm being told now or understanding is that he looked through all the way bills he had for 990 and all the way bills he had for 496. Is that what, what the deal is? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would okay. answer Commissioner Slaughter's question as follows. It's highly unusual for you to have letters from company owners giving this type of indication. Mm -hmm. Highly unusual. In fact, I think I've been here two years and I don't know if I've ever seen that. Maybe once or twice from Luxor. Or I've seen it in my own internal investigations, like from Yellow. I've seen things from Jim sometimes. It's highly unusual for you to see not one but two letters indicating there's simply no record. The person isn't on the driver's roster. So I guess that would be how I would answer that, is that it would be unusual for a company to admit that it has no record, unless it were true. And I'm, I'm having, uh, thinking of this, going at it a little bit different, Tope. I can understand if there was some missing waybills from the, the long-term lease, but it was gas and gate for nine months. So even, so that I'm pretty sure National would have records of those ga gas and gate waybills. Even if, if, so on the long-term lease, he was only driving for 14 weeks. If he was working for three, three shifts a week, that's 420 hours. So even if he got credit for everything that he, he said he was driving, he'd still be short 380 hours because for the gas and gate, he was not there. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to move on this 
tonight. Okay. Are there any other comments? I, I don't, but he's standing there. Well, can you guys give me, give me a continuous then? I mean, I'm I, sorry, I, I, can't, I can't hear you. Can we do continuous? I mean, I, I did my, you know, I did give them all my way bill. That's what they told me at that time. And I have my all my CNG, you know. I was I'm willing to grant you a continuous. I don't want to ask our staff to do more than, than they've done already, however, because they've done the investigation, they've contacted the companies, the companies have told us they have no records. I'm willing to grant a continuance if you feel like you can produce more evidence of your having fulfilled the requirement 05 and 06. If you feel like that's something you can do, but I don't want to grant a continuance and then, you know, expect our staff to vindicate you in some way. That's that's not our responsibility. Do you understand? Oh, yes. I mean, if you, if you feel like in the next two weeks you can do something to clear this up and, and work with the companies, I understand how important it is to you. If you're a full, if you are a real cab driver, I understand how important this is to you, and I want to, you know, give you every opportunity to prove what you need to prove. What, you, mean, you mean what? Uh, proof of, uh, we need proof that you were a full-time cab driver in either 2005 or 2006, and we yeah. don't have that now. Oh, well, I do have. You know, I was using you know, CNG gas, all my receipts. I was filling up gas in uh, first and full sum in mid-bray. I, I have, you know, what, what else, what else I, I, I have to show? I mean, we I need was, evidence. I was giving all my way with that, you know, the guy. I still have my credit card for uh, CNG. I was using it. I mean, what, what I'm going to, you know. That's what they told me at that time. Anything you want to use, sir, if you, if anything you want to use to prove that you were driving full time, but it can't be credit card receipts or a statement from the person that you were supposedly leasing from, you have to produce evidence. May I? I think the only thing that's going to help you is if you go back to Barricade and say, who did you give the waybills to? Get a name. Go to, because Dan Hines wasn't there in that year, I believe. Uh, he was not there in 2005. He came in later. Get a name of who he gave the waybills to, and if, you, if he can find the name and if you can find some way of finding the waybills. That, to me, is really your only avenue at this point. It's all we can do. I can't ask our staff to do any more than they've done. But I'm willing to grant that if that's what you need. What, what's the what's the end there? Was Dan new at that time? He wasn't, was he? Uh, I'm not sure about No, because I remember the last couple of years yeah. saying I'm new, I'm new. You know, yeah. So, like I say, I'm willing to grant this continuance if you feel like you can, and Chris might be able to help you. Okay. Thanks, yeah. He Chris, wants the continuance. Okay, I don't know if I mean, you're going to do it. I know he, that it, it doesn't involve Royal Jackers. It really doesn't involve us at all, but, I mean, he came to us, uh, you know, about a month or two ago asking for our help because he was in this situation. I, you know, it's for what it's worth, I mean, uh, my judgment, I think he's a legitimate cab driver. I mean, he's been driving for quite a while, and I, I think he does deserve this, but I also realize the situation that you guys are put in. So if you can give us an extra couple of weeks, maybe we can work something out and so okay. make it easier on everyone. I'm willing to do that till the next meeting. Okay, thank you. Continue us to our next meeting in September. No. Okay. Um, um, actually, um, if he's gonna, if there's gonna be a continuance and he's gonna submit new evidence or something like that, I mean, it has to be in on time for us. Number one, to respond to it in some fashion if we're going to review it, and number yeah. two, to even go into the packet because if he's coming in here with a bunch of evidence, it's gonna be a hearing that lasts for a couple hours on a factual issue. So I would, I would respectfully request that you either 
continue this and give him a time certain by which to respond, or else we can send him to the hearing officer. I think it sounds like if he brings us more evidence, it might be something that should go to the hearing officer. So I'll just say continue this to the call of the chair, and we'll work it okay. out among ourselves. Thank you. Okay. Okay, where are we at now? Um, seven. B7. Commissioner Armetto, did you request this? Yeah, only for the re I'm, I'm not trying to hold it up or anything. It's just that we, we got a uh, letter from the PCC uh, requesting that he be retrained on right. wheelchairs. So that's my only stipulation I'd like to add, that he go through the retraining. So this is a conditional. Is Mr. Chan here tonight? David K. Chan. Can you come up for a second? So when you went for your interview at the Paratransit Coordinating Council, they recommended to us that we grant you your medallion, but as Commissioner Onetta says, they have recommended that you retake the training for uh, the uh, wheelchair tie-downs and the four-point tie-downs and that stuff. They didn't feel like you were really clear on that, so Commissioner Onetta is going to suggest tonight that we approve this conditional on you taking that training. Within a okay. Retaking it. And I... I'm not sure how often it's offered. I think it's every month that that's offered, but uh, we can say within within two months or within a month and a half or something. Well, I'm sure he's going to want it as soon as possible. So. Well, we're going to grant the medallion, right? Okay. And then it's going to be conditional on him retaking that within, say, a month. Okay? Yes, sir. Okay. Commissioner Leto, do you um, want to make that motion, or is there any so, other comments? So do those certificates come directly to the office? Yeah, we'll work okay. with him to okay. make sure that he, he gets enrolled in it and, you know, that he does the training. And if he doesn't do it, then we'll report that fact as well. Thank you. Yeah. So can we make a motion to, is, uh, that he goes through the wheelchair, wheelchair training uh, and notifies staff as to that and we approve it? Can we do it that way? I mean, without putting a time limit? Cause like you I said, think we're approving the medallion tonight and then giving him a time limit to retake the training. Okay, so... what? What did we establish as a time limit? I think they do that every month, so we might want to give them, say, two it's months. Because 60 it, days. Okay. That's too okay. Good by you me. want to put that in the form of a motion? Motion to approve uh, pending retraining on, on wheelchairs within the next 60 days. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. Um, C1 has been severed. We had someone speak on this. Director Thigpen, can you explain this one to me, if there is anything to explain? Yeah, I mean, the applicant admitted that um, the requirements were not going to be able to be met um, as far as the commission's requirements. So, um, you know, she was advised she can go through and try, but um, she didn't do it. So she wasn't she wasn't claiming that she had driven. She was claiming that she had worked in the industry. I think or, she's. She, is she I know, Marion. Would you, would you like to come up and speak or not? Okay. I mean, at this point, you don't have any evidence before you that, because she's not being considered as an applicant. Right. So this is just. I mean, she didn't even fill out. You're not denying her permit because she didn't fill out an application. So. Right. We're, this is to remove her from the list. I'm sorry. For having failed to 
respond to a... Right. Sometimes we have people that fill out an application and they, you know, there's issues with the application. Maybe the background check could be whatever it is. We saw one just now. Here, the individual did not submit an application in any fashion. I was told that in order to get an application, I had to turn in waybills. Since I had no desire to falsify any waybills and turn in waybills, my company made a printout of all my logins for the last three or four years, and they said it's not even worth pulling the waybills. So I had no waybills, so I had no idea that I would be able to get an application. I have been to the police department and done the fingerprint thing. I only, within the last year or two, became aware that the key personnel thing was not going to apply to me, and I really have no desire to be key personnel. In the future, I want to drive a cab. So that's a catch-22 that I can't get around. You're saying you have logins but no waybills? I have a printout of logins, and then I was told, well, that's not enough. There's no reason to pull those waybills. I just want to be clear because, you know, I have known you a long time, like Robert has, as a dispatcher. I know you drive somewhat. Are you claiming that you did drive? No, I did drive, yes, but not enough to qualify for the full-time driving requirement in the past. Right. So you're not really contesting what we're doing here. I mean, you understand what we're doing, right? The only thing I'm contesting is the removal from the list because that's what's before you tonight, right? Well, you've reached the top of the list, but you're stipulating that you haven't driven in the previous four years. I have not driven the required number of shifts. That's correct. So, you know, under Daily Ma, to get a medallion, you have to have driven three of the previous four years full-time. Right, and I was foolishly relying on the key personnel thing that I recently found out was not applicable to key personnel unless they already had a medallion. Right. And there's really not much I can do about the past. I'd love to have a year to prove to you that I'm planning that I will drive full-time. That would be my ideal result here. But I don't think that's even – I don't know whether that's within your purview tonight or not. Yeah, I don't see – I mean, it's fairly simple what's before us. I mean, anyone who doesn't fill out an application once they come to the top of the list and show that they have driven three of the previous four years are just – I mean, Daily Ma – the management exemption was never intended to be applied to people on the list. It was always intended for people who had already had their medallions and to keep their medallions. And that only passed in the last, like, two years ago anyway, so it wouldn't have applied going back to 2005 or 2006. I feel bad about this because I know you're a real cab person and you're a real driver and a dispatcher. Yeah, 35 years this year. But as far as what we can do tonight, there's really nothing we can do. I mean – The Medallion Holders Association alluded to potential law change and whether or not that occurs. You know, it's unknown at this time, but perhaps the Medallion Holders Association would be successful in obtaining some kind of language in the legislation that would state that 
you know, individuals who, you know, had been managers for several years and had been considered in X amount of time could be reconsidered the way that they were with Daily Ma. But right now that, that is not before you. So. And that legislation hasn't been passed. And when we did pass that legislation, there were a couple of people who were able to then reapply and be reconsidered as a result of that legislation passing. So if something like that were to pass, you would, if it was written properly, you would be able to come back and have your denial reconsidered. Okay. And when you say reapply, you don't mean reapply to the list, do you? No, reapply your application. Contest your removal from the list yeah. based on any law that might have been passed subsequent to your re removal. Okay. But I have no... Uh, but that law is, uh, that, that movement or that, you know, that's not a, anything that's pending that I know of that anyone is trying to pass right now. But it may be something that permit holders want to explore as far as an amendment to the management exemption and the daily ma. It's, it's a long shot, but... Yeah, it seems kind of, kind of sad to throw away all the experience that I'm representing here. No, I agree. <coughs> anyway, thank you okay. for your time. Okay. Okay, so we'll... Uh, we need a motion and a vote on C1. Motion and a second. Is there a motion on C1? So moved. Is there a second? All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. Um, where are we at now? D1. Okay. Okay, so uh, with regards to D1, um, I have Sergeant Reynolds somewhere, probably out in the hallway, perhaps a member of the Sunshine You know what? Task. I'm going to, uh, while we get Sergeant Reynolds, I'm going to cut to the consent calendar, 730, special order. Oh. Public comment is what I meant. Thank you. Oh. Maybe we can get through this. Yeah. So we'll just do D1, 2, and 3? Okay. Okay. We're on the request to uh, park off-site, Sergeant. Oh, okay. First um, one is black and white checker for nine medallions. They want to park at the alternative site of 2560 Marin Street. 2560 Marin C uh, Street is the old site for Worldwide. It is a car wash. There are no fences. There are no pertaining walls. It's directly viewed from the sidewalk into the... Um, into the um, car washing facility. The concrete is old. It uh, has broken potholes in the area. The drainage for the area is actually in the car wash and not in the site where the vehicles are going to be parked. This, our office has been receiving an enormous amount of complaints from the public about cabs being parked on the city streets and it's something that I'm going to talk about. We are going to start a project in two weeks to start citing all the vehicles and all the medallion holders for parking their vehicles on the street. The concern that I have is I am unsure whether the fire department or um, uh, environmental uh, services in the city will allow the site to be used. We had a similar situation at Union Cab where it, the city would not allow the uh, area to be used as a parking facility because there was no drainage, because there was the fact that oil leaks, transmission leaks, fluid leaks could leach right into the ground and then you would have a contamination uh, problem. 
So those are some of the concerns that we have. There are other city agencies that I think we're going to have to contact to see whether or not we will get the approval from everybody else to put those vehicles there. So those are the concerns that I have right now for this area. Did I read that this was the previous place of Worldwide Cab? That is correct. So it was in fact used as a parking facility off street before, yes. Okay, so this is not a totally brand new site. It's one that was used before by Worldwide, by the same number of cabs that were in, because they merged their vehicles into black and white. Is that what happened? Yeah, we actually had a lot of issues with that yard. You'll recall from commission look audits that we brought to you before, there were some problems with that yard because it's a car wash. It's not a yard. In fact, I toured that facility about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and the majority of Worldwide Cab's cars were parked on the street and just adjacent to what the facility was, because that's a busy car wash, and there's no room really to leave cars on the lot if it's in full go on the weekends especially. So I would recommend against it. Is there an office facility here? There is a building above the car wash, and that's where there are offices where Worldwide was in fact headquartered. Again, this facility, as Commissioner Benjamin mentioned, there are no marked spots. People drive in, leave their car at the car wash. So what spot may be there at one particular time in the day may not be available at the other time of the day. And again, as Commissioner Benjamin stated, the cars most of the time were in fact parked on the street, across the street, or down the road. It was not a very efficient way to handle a business. So bottom line, Sergeant, are you advocating against this granting of this? I don't want to put you on the spot here, but it sounds like you are. My concern is that the public is complaining about these vehicles being parked and left on the street. It's in the code that they should be kept at the color schemes. This particular area, there is not the proper lighting, there's not the proper fencing, there's not the proper drainage. It does not meet certain city requirements that I am aware of, and that I think that we need to have the fire department and then again environmental services also take a look at it and see whether they will give us their go-ahead or not go-ahead. I don't think they will. Is it a question of lack of space at Black and White's regular facility? As we'll see later on, there's been some issues with that yard at 999 Pennsylvania where Black and White is located now. I've requested documents from all of them regarding their right to occupy the premise. They have provided me, all of them have provided me those documents except one. And I asked them to draw me a diagram of where they are parking because it's a U-shaped lot. And that is still under review because we need to physically go out there. They all listed the same parking spots. So we have to physically go out there and take pictures of the lot and document for ourselves that there isn't adequate parking for the amount of cabs that are on that premise, which we already know to be the case. There's hundreds of cabs that are supposed to be parking at 999 Pennsylvania. And the lot is very small, and there's no way that hundreds of cabs are shift changing there and parking there. It's simply not possible. I don't see very many spares, actually, when I go there, which is another point of interest. But in any event, with regards to this, 
while it's clear that black and white does need additional parking, this lot is problematic for the reasons indicated by Sergeant Reynolds. We have been at that lot on at least two separate occasions where we had violations of electricity being misused, where tires were piled up, where junker cars were being kept. Now, I understand some of those have been cleaned up, but again, it's a very congested area. There is no marking. I believe there are three different color schemes at that location. There's town, black and white. There's several small individuals. Delta. And Bay. And Bay. That is correct. Yet there is no markings as to who has what areas. We understand that there are actually arguments within that lot on who has what property, and it's becoming quite an issue for both of our offices trying to deal with the problems that are coming out of that area. So it sounds like you're not too happy with the alternate site, but you're not too happy with the main site either. And so we're in a dilemma here of most of us having not actually been there. I mean, I know where this place is, and I also know what Director Thigpen is saying about the number that are actually there versus the number that are supposed to be there, so I got those same questions. We believe that keeping the status quo for now is acceptable, and then if it turns out soon that we try to work with people, we try to make sure that they can comply with everything, we really do. That's why this issue hasn't come up before, because we're still trying to work with the individuals involved and see if we can find an alternative site. There's a couple other yards around that general vicinity that we think might be good for them. There's some interesting developments that might be occurring. Well, I'm willing to take that as a recommendation then, not to approve this alternative site. Is there any other discussion on this? I'll take a motion then. Who wants to? We had public comment. We called it open earlier. You know what? I think since there's some pending issues, what we'll probably do is this is going to be a continuance and maybe a reapplication. Actually, given that we are discussing this, Mr. Owen, can I invite Mr. Raskin up, who's the manager of this cab company, please? You are the one who is applying for this change of venue as the manager contact person at Black and White? Yes. Okay. So just to say that in terms of the – it's been repaved. Are you talking about 999 or Marin Street? No, I'm talking about Marin Street. Marin Street has been repaved. Since our staff inspected and since Sergeant – I don't know when he was out there. It's been repaved within the last six months. Sergeant, when were you there? That whole front section has been repaved. There's been a considerable amount of fencing that has gone up along the perimeter sides. And as far as the drainage goes, it's a car wash. So all the drainage goes into deep wells or cisterns, and he has a whole system. The groundwater is probably cleaner than most. He has a whole system for cleaning groundwater there. So 
that would not be an issue. In terms of the cabs being on the street, I eliminated that problem by closing the company down because that was something that wasn't okay with me either. But in terms of what we're looking for at Checker is a place to have overflow for our spares. We're not looking at using it as a shift change as much as this overflow space, you know, a place to park cars. Well, I'm willing to continue this if it's a question of reinspection. Gratch, you're also a manager, so I'm going to let you speak. Just briefly, I just want to remind everybody that every single parking space at 99 Pennsylvania, and by the way, being already marked and numbered and also identified as a specific lettuce for black and white or town taxi. Maybe last time when Sergeant was a long time ago, but if you visit one more time, you will see that every single parking space is already identified. You're talking about 999? That's correct. Okay, well, we've had representations that there's been improvements made to this lot. Are you okay with continuing this pending, like you going back out there, Sergeant, and looking at what they've done since the last time? I would feel more comfortable going back out there, photographing, seeing what improvements they've made, contact the fire department and contact the other city agencies to make sure we're in total compliance before we put our seal of approval on this. Okay, that's what I would be comfortable with. So maybe rather than denying this, we should just simply continue it pending Sergeant Reynolds' further investigation. Okay, D2 then would be the entire fleet of SF Taxi to park at 1600 Davidson. Sergeant, do you want to talk about that one? Don't go too far. We've got two more to go here. This is SF Taxi wants to park their entire fleet, which is how many vehicles, Director? Right now, I'd have to check the most recent count. I apologize. We had a computer issue today, and I wasn't able to print it. 1600 Davidson? 16, but I'd have to. He's gotten a lot more recently. Again, I have not been to this facility in several months. The last time I was there, this piece of property was next to the old Union Cab. The area was not cemented. It was not paved. It was dirt. There was no lighting. The lighting came from the garage area at the old Union Cab. I was unsure if there was any kind of drainage. I was unsure whether there was any electricity at that spot. Where is SF Taxi now? It's at Evans Street. On Evans, 2121 Evans? Royal is on the lower area. Now, it's my understanding that some of these lots, what the other city agencies are looking for, if a vehicle has a transmission leak, if a vehicle has an oil leak, and the fluids seep onto the ground, if you have dirt, you then have it go into the sand. It then contaminates the sand, and you have a hazmat situation. Whereas if you have a concrete or an asphalt top, it can be cleaned up relatively simple with very little contamination. So, again, my suggestion is that we go and take a look. We get the other agencies involved to make sure that it meets all their criteria before we give the final stamp. 
This also has an asterisk saying that the applicant made inconsistent statements regarding this issue. Can you elaborate on that, Director? Yes. Um, at first, the applicant just called us up one day and said, I moved. Here's my address. And we said, well, applicant, that is not allowed. You can't just move. You're supposed to give notice so that we can investigate the site, and you can't just do that. And we apologize, but here's the law. Um, and we said, well, have you already moved? Yes, I've moved. Okay, well, you know it's not allowed. Okay, I didn't move. Okay, well, did you move or didn't you? No, I didn't move. Okay, so that's the kind of inconsistency that we're discussing. I then went out to the premise on that particular day. Here's the applicant now to um, perhaps uh, Jack, why don't you come up? clarify. The... Uh, but in any event, I went out there, and there was a trailer out there. Um, but the day I went out, I did not see any vehicles, and that was like later in the day of the conversation that took place. And I went out, and I didn't, I didn't see anything. Um, that was on Wednesday, August 6th. I did not see any of your vehicles there at that time, but I did see the trailer. I peered in through, and I actually did see a man working on. I did see, I did see a man working on one of your vehicles, working in the trunk area. But it didn't appear that he was, you know, there doing anything besides looking in the trunk or that you were occupying the premise. Good evening, Madam uh, Director and Commissioners. Okay. Uh, there, it's true what Sergeant Reynolds said about the place being a dirt area. It was. No more of that. They used to bring dirt in there and dirt out of there. The truck used to come in and out of there hauling dirt, believe it or not. But when I went back over there, there was no more dirt. It was a gravel. And uh, we have electricity. The module that we have there has air conditioning, and the electricity is on. We paid for the wiring all the way across. It's hooked up. And we paid for the elevating of the uh, uh, module. And so we spent a lot of money in there. Now, we have it in the contract that we're not supposed to change oil or change the water or the drain. It's just for parking. We don't want to lose the contract because Rick Murray told us that if we break any one of those rules, we lose the contract. So it's pretty, pretty strict out there. And maybe I should have him come over here in the next two weeks or so, and he can explain it. As a person, I, I put most of this together over at uh, 1600 uh, uh, Davidson, and there, there is the water is free there from the landlord that gives us free water, and we, like Jack said, the, the, the electricity has already been hooked up, everything's been leveled out. They have one huge concrete portion that they added on for us, and then there's the gravel with sand underneath, and. Uh, then, according to Scott Leong, when, when he came over and inspected uh, 1340 uh, 25th Street, he has said that that it would have been probably better because there is no drainage at, uh, on uh, 1340 uh, 25th Street. He said to leave the gravel and sand there. And if, if in fact, that's what, if we need to concrete that over, 
I think it would be a disservice because the water drains right through. And under the contracts of the property, you cannot change oil. You cannot even put oil. And we have like a semi-contract with two next door saying that he'll do all the oil changes and things for us. Okay. Sergeant, would you be more comfortable if we continued this pending, as in the first item, a further investigation into the site? Again, I understand this is not a facility or an area to do work on vehicles, but transmission seals do fail. Radiators do fail. Oil plugs do fall out. And the problem is you're going to have chemicals that are listed under the state of California as possibly being carcinogens going into sand, going into gravel, and that the only way you can correct that is to go and dig all of this out, which to me sounds like an expensive proposition. I'm not sure. I know when we inspected Union, the fire department was very concerned about those issues, as was environmental services, and that they had a set of rules on yards, what can be and what cannot be. And I definitely think we need to get their approval before we start possibly violating other department and other city ordinances. Well, that's why I'm not comfortable approving this tonight. So I want to do the right thing as far as your perspective. So if we continue this pending you going out there. Then I will give you a further report when I have that information. Okay. So D3 then is, Sergeant, D3, we have another gentleman who wants to park on Market Street. This will be the last one. We have one request for someone to park on, sounds like, what, 9th and Market or something? It's Fox Plaza. Fox Plaza. Yeah, 1390 Market Street. It's an office building where the city attorney's office is also located, as well as a Starbucks and Patrick's office supplies. There's a residential parking garage in the basement. And this individual is a resident of the apartments. His name is Ronald Brothers, and he's a medallion holder. He is disabled. He's right now on modified driving. Last year he was on catastrophic leave because he had a quadruple bypass. So he wants to be having the cab there because he doesn't like walking around the yellow cab lot to find the cab. He has two drivers that work for him, and he also drives the cab because he needs the income, so he's driving. So he doesn't like to walk around at the yellow lot. So for that reason, he requested that he be allowed to park the cab in his residential office building. Again, the concern that I have is that there is a certain section of the population that simply does not want to look at a taxi cab in their home, in their backyard, outside of their front window. I don't understand the reason why, but there is a group of people, and we continuously get calls. We continuously get calls, and these folks know the section. They quote them to me all the time, and why isn't the police department doing something about it? If we start making the exceptions, where do we draw and stop? The second thing that I'm going to talk about later tonight is we are having a tremendous problem with shift changes, where they're occurring, 
and the fact that waybills are disappearing in almost all the color schemes. And if people are allowed to work out of their office, out of their home, out of their basements, and they're not shift changing at the color scheme, they're not turning in waybills, we're going to see an increase of the problems that we've heard here earlier tonight. So yeah. again, I have some major concerns about this. My, my heart goes out to Mr. Brothers. Um, I, 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 I like him. He has um, health issues, and my heart goes out to him. But again, there are going to be people that are going to be upset and angry if he gets this um, special request. Right. Well, I too have issues of people parking their cab at the home of the permit holder. I, I'm not in favor of that at all. So just on that basis right there, I'm willing to not grant this. Is there anything you'd like to add, Director, to this, what Sergeant has said about this case? Well, in the course of um, discussing this item and answering questions, um, you know, in fact, the commission in the past approved Mr. Wesley Hollis of Executive Cab to park his um, taxi cab vehicle at an alternative site, which he asserts is not his home but is very near to his home and happens to be a residential parking garage also of an apartment that's on Turk Street apartment building. Um, so I that's a That's a one-person cab company, and he claims he's single-shifting, right? I think this is a little different in that it's a yellow thing. cab that has their own garage, and it's an individual permit holder at yellow who would like to park it at his place of residence. So that I have a problem with. I just wanted to point that out. That's, yeah. You know, someone asked me about that. Someone else so has, but it was... Hollis, it's not necessarily his home, and he's a, he's a, it's a one-person cab company, and he claims to be the only person driving it, so it's a little bit different. He also claims to have a driver, and actually he is registered at the 999 Pennsylvania Street address um, as one of the, that's his business address, so just for future reference. Commissioner, is anything on this? Well, I, I tend to agree with you that um, I would not want to approve um, this taxi to be uh, at his residence, but I, I'm actually doing it for a little bit of a different reason. I do want to explore more whether or not there are circumstances in which um, taxis can change shifts off-site. The Rules Committee started to look at it, and we just kind of put it to the side. But um, until we actually come up with some parameters for that, I, I'm not in favor of improve, approving any of these individual requests at this point. Okay. Is that a motion? No, I don't know if other commissioners want Or is there a motion? Well, uh, I, I motion not to approve um, the new location, the alternative site for medallion number 349. Is there a second? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? That uh, denial passes. Was there anything continued on E? Oh, was it E5? Did someone sever E5? No, they, they didn't. No, we, we approved all of E1 through 6. Yeah. Vice President Breslin thought that someone said that, but no. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I made the motion to approve it before. Okay. <laughs> um, I did want to make a comment, though, that I just want the commissioners to kind of think about um, the, these new um, color scheme qu change questionnaires are excellent. Uh, I think uh, that Jordana, our executive director, did a great job with these. Um, and they do get a, give a lot of information. But it's come up a couple of times in discussion with the commissioners whether or not this information is the type of information that 
we need to be part of. For example, where it says increasing radio fees. Well, it looks like that problem is taking care of itself because people are leaving that particular company if the fees are increasing. So I just want to kind of take a look at what are business decisions and what are the commission's decisions, and just to be aware of that as we go along down the line. That's all. Okay. I only have two. We're going to go to the special order now. You want to call that item? Item number six. Item number six, special order public comment. I only have two cards that have been filled out for this. Is there anyone else who wants to speak under public comment, this special order? I'm going to need a card so I can determine how long. Can I see a show of hands who wants to? Robert, is that for this one? Okay. Okay, I'll allow three minutes. First speaker is Barry Toronto and then Emil Lawrence. Someone asked what special order is, and what that means is that it's meant to give notice to members of the public that would like to come and speak during public comment that there's a special time, obviously this evening approximate, which is set aside for public comment, and that's for people who are working and can't sit through the hearing for four or five hours for public comment. Okay, Barry and then Emil Lawrence. Good evening, Commissioners. <coughs> there, tonight proves there's some issues that this commission needs to really uh, rectify <coughs> so we don't continue to have these problems. The first one is about the waybills. I think it's important that staff have an orientation for future medallion holders. Uh, they, I think they've already had some workshops and they have signed, a, signed some type of statement saying they're aware of what they need to do to prove that they've met the full-time driving requirement and have all their ducks in order. And um, I can't Please, those of you who are milling about, can you just try to keep it down so we can show some respect to the speaker? Thank you. So, okay, so I'm, I'm thinking that, that, that uh, staff needs to really clamp down on this because um, people are showing ignorance about this, and it's not like, like uh, people were born yesterday. The uh, second issue is um, regarding the fact that, that um, people like Andy Sinaiko and Marion have been longtime dispatchers. And I think the law is the law right now. The rules are the rules. You have to drive a cab. However, I think in the future it might be good to give some type of equivalent for every, sh every shift they, they work as a dispatcher, they maybe get one hour of driving. So uh, something, something uh, very uh, strict so that at least it doesn't, the number of hours they work to dispatch doesn't forgive them for the driving. But I think in the future, uh, because people are finding, that these, these employees of the companies are finding out that they haven't met all the requirement, and then sometimes they're having to resort to other ways of trying to meet the requirement. No comment. Uh, and the last but not least uh, here, I'd like to say in closing that I would have to say that I am very pleased with the staff work. I would have to say Jordana Thinkpin has done a wonderful job and she has really earned her pay. And I think uh, it's important that you as a commission stop ignoring these documents. And I think tonight shows that, the, that these, these, these memos and these documents mean something and that you, you act on it rather than just pol making politicizing these issues. It's not about politics. It's about what the rules say and what the evidence is. And staff has done a wonderful job. And, and Scott Leon has really grown in his position. 
And so I'm hoping that, that, that in the future you continue what you're doing tonight, and that is to take staff's recommendations or staff's work to heart and ask lots of questions rather than just saying, poo, poo, poo. It's not the way it works. We pay them a lot of money to do this work, and you as a commission need to rely on staff because you yourselves don't have the time to do these investigations and find out the answers to these questions. And thank you very much. And have a happy um, Labor Day weekend. Thank you. Mayor Lawrence and then Robert Fitka. Chairman Gillespie, fellow commissioners, I have two comments to make uh, that I'm going to try to make them brief, as brief as possible. One is that I brought up probably about a year ago that the way bills, as they are handed in today, is a totally obsolete system. That the driver does not get a copy, that the firm gets a copy, that they fire them away when right across the bay you have one of the biggest database companies in the entire world that's making billions of dollars on something that's quite simple that you can digitally copy these almost immediately and you can transfer them to the taxi commission or the taxi office almost immediately on a monthly basis where you would have a database on every way bill in San Francisco monthly. It's not a big rocket scientist type project today. It's simple. It can be done with access out of Microsoft, a, a box for a buck, uh, for 198 bucks too. I did it for HUD for two years, database management. It's simple. You can digitally copy, copy these way bills almost instantly and transmit them to this commission instantly. It can be done where you don't have to ask the driver to find out if he has way bills. You can just punch up a number and have every way bill he ever produced in the city and county of San Francisco. That's here today. It's been here for 10 years. I don't know what due diligence this commission or the taxi uh, director has done with this, but it's here today. It's not unknown. Two is that if you look at the taxi companies today, they're running out of room. I mean, they're all over the place. Maybe we're going to have to move to South San Francisco to start opening up business in lots. It's the only place left with cheap land. And I think to accommodate that is that the whole system of a cab going back and forth 12 hours a day to hand in the way bill, it's a bloody joke in the first place. It causes insurmountable traffic problems. It uses a lot of gasoline. And if you have to commute from downtown San Francisco, at 4 o'clock, you get back in the lot at 4.30, it takes you a half hour. A half hour of gridlock just to get back to south of market off Bayshore. That system's dead, it's old, it's outdated, and if you look at all the cab firms across the state, also across this nation, they don't work on a daily basis, they work on a weekly basis. Most of them are rented by the week, or for 24 hours. If you look at it on a logistical basis, you'll see that most of the problems are compounded based on drivers are going and coming almost nonstop between 4 and 6 o'clock when it was peak hours. And I just went through that this past Saturday and Sunday where there were people all over the place, but I had to bring the cab in at 4 o'clock, peak hours. So it takes a cab another half hour to get back to downtown. It takes you a half hour to get back to south of market. So it's a problem, and I don't know how and where that it is justified so we can hand in a way bill and you guys have a copy of what we did for the afternoon. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much. Thank you. Robert Fitka and David Pilpel. Um, all of this statement about taxis not being allowed to park on the street Sounds a little strange to me. I drove a cab in New York City for 12 years, and cabs, 
park on the street. There are taxi stands. There are taxi parking areas, which are relatively enforced. Uh, I can't understand why. I heard the director mention something maybe a year ago about somebody up on Eureka or an upper market not wanting to look out the window and seeing a taxi parked on the street. Well, you know, taxis are public conveyances. They're common carriers. They have to park somewhere sometimes. You know, you, you, Paul said something about not wanting to see a cab on the street somewhere. Don't you go home sometimes? Don't you go to the, go to the John? Don't you stop? Don't you eat? You know, taxis are public conveyances, and I think they have every bit as much right to park on the street, at least for time being, uh, as, as private cars, you know. Um, I'm, I'm not really talking about shift changes, or I'm not talking about cab companies. I mean, that is a somewhat different issue. But I'm just wondering, what, why is it so wrong, and what are the laws that prohibit taxis from parking on the street? Thank you. Thank you. David, and then uh, Masood. David Pelpel, uh, three points. One on the um, agenda packet. Thank you for your an announcement earlier. If once again the, the staff could really put on the top of the packet, public review packet, please return to the desk. And if you see it missing during the meeting, to really reinforce that because they do seem to be out here and disappearing. And with all the detailed issues, there are memos in the packet that are helpful for the public to review so that they can give you informed comment and move the meeting as quickly as possible under the circumstances. That was item one. Um, for items two and three, they're actually relative to items nine and ten on your agenda. And since I can't stay, I wanted to just speak very briefly on those uh, now um, with respect to yes. um, item nine on the um, uh, policy matter. I would suggest including the Board of Supervisors resolution, which was referred to um, in the, the reso but isn't attached. I would attach that. Um, and incorporate it by reference perhaps into a whereas clause and I would add a resolve clause directing the staff if the um, uh, item is passed by you tonight to distribute that to each color scheme. I think that's implicit but I think it would be good to add that as an explicit uh, resolve clause. That's res with respect to item 9. With respect to item 10, um, I think that that's fine to urge the governor to sign whatever but I think it's more clear in the uh, final resolve that you're transmitting that recommendation through the city's state legislation committee. I just have concerns about individual boards and commissions taking positions on state legislation and the way the city structure works that really does work through the state legislative committee. Commissions and boards generally don't have the power to just take a, a position on a state bill. That's why we have that coordinated state legislative process so that um, the city speaks with one voice in Sacramento relative to state legislation. So I hope those comments are helpful. Always nice to visit. Thank you. Let me just follow up on that. Sure. If there's a if there's a state bill that affects our, which 1519 is, affects the taxi industry, and we send a resolution to our, not to the governor directly or to the Senate directly, but to our legislative advocate up there, how is... I, we, no. Yeah, we don't. Um, the mayor's office has an individual that um, works specifically on state and federal legislation, and there is, a, there is a committee actually that meets around legislation, so a copy of this resolution goes there first, and then that is a decision. We are a mayoral commission. We are not independent, so we serve at the pleasure of the mayor 
all of us here, in fact. So we, we, any action that this commission takes is considered to be an action of the executive branch, the mayor's office, including any support of any types of things that occur. It then gets transmitted to the mayor's, to the mayor himself, and he, he can make a decision at that point. Okay. But that's what we're doing tonight, right? Yeah. Right. If you pass it, yes. Yeah, okay. That was the cautions that you not think that, oh, well, we don't have to go that route. We can just send it directly. So we. Oh, yeah. No, I've. Okay. Right. I knew that there was Perfect. a place we had to. Individual commissioners can take positions. On your own? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, David. Take care. Masood and then Jane Bolig. Good evening. My name is Masood Charsuri. I'm a cab driver working for Yellow and also an applicant on the waiting list for taxicab medallion. In 2007, I heard from a fellow cab driver that those whose position number are close to mine are being called for an opportunity to apply for a ramp medallion. Although I did not receive any letter, I went to the taxi commission office on Bandes to inquire about my status. I learned that a package was sent, but because the address was partially wrong, it was returned back to the sender and was told in order to contest, I need to go to the meeting at the city hall. And even then, I need to have enough driving experience to qualify. When I went to the meeting, it was clear that my application will be denied based on lack of driving experience. And it was a waste of time. So I didn't bother to do anything. A few days ago, I came across some informations with regard to applicants whose name, names were removed for lack of driving experience. So I felt good, and I called the Taxi Commission office. I learned even under this new standard, I won't be eligible because my name was removed, not due to lack of driving experience, but because I didn't respond. And I had 15 days to appeal that decision. I never received anything from Taxi Commission office, including that letter, the final decisions. I obtained a copy of that letter by calling and asking Taxi Commission office to mail it to me. I realized that my address is still partially wrong. So I would like to ask the Commission to grant me another opportunity to apply for my ramp medallion. Thank you. Director Thakpen, do you have anything to say about this case? No, I don't know about his individual circumstances. He's not made an inquiry of me personally. If he's spoken to my staff in the past since March, then you know I can I can speak to them and you know have some control over what occurred because it was as of March I became acting executive director and then as of July that I became full executive director. As to what happened before, I, I don't know. I, you know. I'll try to find out. We do have institutional memory in the office. Someone remembers him. He should come to the office. He may be eligible to be reconsidered 
under the recent standards, which the deadline for that is October 1st. So he can come into the office starting tomorrow, and we'll try to help him, you know, for whatever he needs. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, thank you. Jane Bolig and then David Schneider. It's okay to make two positive comments in one evening. Is that allowed? Okay. I wanted to congratulate David Chan for receiving his permit tonight. Unfortunately, he left before he could hear me, so I hope he watches television. When you were talking about this request for hardship accommodation, I hope if this is put through again that you can find some way to satisfy the needs of the commission, but also to satisfy the needs of someone who, it sounded to me, has an extraordinary hardship and an extraordinary need. And I hope that in future accommodations can be made. Which case were you referring to? Mr. Brothers. Oh, Mr. Brothers, okay. He was asking to park off-site and in a garage underground, not in public view. And, again, I don't know the specifics of the case, but I would hope that some consideration could be given for exemptions such as his. Okay, thank you. David Schneider and then Ron Fishman. These are the last two cards I have. Good evening, drivers. Happy Labor Day. Good evening, commissioners. Full-time driver, particularly at the big company, I haven't checked my stats in a while, does a lot of labor, drives 36,000 miles a year, carries between 6,000 and 9,000 passengers, pays $25,000 in gates. I don't know how much in gas. It's a lot of labor. I'm co-founder of UTW years ago. I'm not even sure my dues are up to date now. I've got to pay them soon. One thing I know is that who does UTW represent? They certainly represent the spirit of the American labor movement. We know about the Triangle Fire in New York. We know about trapping laborers in bad conditions. We know even when it happens today. My background includes going to the University of Wisconsin and looking at the plaque at Bascom Hall. It talked about that fearless sifting and winnowing by which alone the truth may be known. I read that plaque and took it to heart. Still do. Think about it a lot. I never used my education from the University of Wisconsin. Home of Bob LaFollette and the progressive movement. Never used my education or my real world background of driving for almost 30 years in San Francisco to rubber stamp the exploitation of labor in the taxi industry of San Francisco that doesn't have normal American workers' benefits and rights. I'll go to my grave with my conscience totally clear. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Good evening, Commissioners. Mohamed Boria and then Zuhair. Hi, good evening, Taxi Commission. This is Mohamed Boria. Okay. You know, I will ask for gate, gate increase because gate and uh, sorry, gas increase. No, sorry. The <laughs> gate increase. So recently, it's too much competition because you can see that every hotel full of limousine, the, you will have to find only few hotels who don't allow limousine. And I see every day the limo is taking our business, even the airport. I have direct number to the police at the airport. I call them and I tell about give the limo number. They don't come. They don't care. But they do care when the taxi driver go to the arrival without the passenger or anything. So... Please, uh, I'll be appreciated if you guys look into that, uh, the airport limo problem and see some of the hotel limo pro problem. One of the new hotels like uh, Intercontinental, they have a inside parking and four or five limos in all is parking over there. Thank you. Thank you. Ron Fishman, I actually called you while you were out, if you'd like to speak and put a comment. And then Zuhair and Tariq Mahmoud. Yeah. Yeah, I called him. He was out in the hallway, so you can be next. Yes, uh, Ron Fishman. Uh, you all know who I am. Yeah, I just want to talk about two items. First of all, I think San Francisco is the only city in the Bay Area that requires a taxi can't park on a city street. Um, I feel that this rule is causes a lot of problems. It raises the costs of the cab companies. It creates a burden upon drivers who have to deadhead the cab companies at the end of their shifts to turn in a way bill. Um, it's, uh, it's like we're second-class citizens in San Francisco where people look out the window and they see a cab parked on the street and they call the police. Oh, my God, there's a taxi on the street. Call the fire department. You know, it's like, uh, what are we, an eyesore, a blight on the city? We're not a garbage truck parked out in front. Um, perhaps this taxi commission could consider the possibility of eliminating the requirement that taxis can't park on a city street. You can, as far as I know, you can do it in Oakland, Walnut Creek, at every other city in the Bay Area. In fact, when I came here tonight, I went to the Walnut Creek BART station. I saw 10 taxis parked on the street next to the BART station. Because, you know, no one in Walnut Creek ever considered that that's a problem. But in San Francisco, a cab can't park on a city street. Um, perhaps this taxi commission might consider the possibility that this rule uh, creates a lot of problems and doesn't really benefit anyone. It actually hurts the feelings of every cab driver who feels like a second-class citizen. To give you an example how the public views us, about once a year, someone will approach me when I'm parked in a, in a metered spot, and they say, would you please leave so I can park here? When I'm not allowed to use a, a parking metered spot, I'm a second-class citizen. How dare I occupy a parking space when a citizen could use it? Um, yeah, you know, Sergeant Reynolds just enforcing the law, but why do we need this law? The other cities in the Bay Area don't need it, and if you got rid of it, You'd make life a lot easier from a lot of, for a lot of hardworking taxi drivers who do a very miserable job that's underpaid, that's dangerous, where you get hurt. Um, you know, all I can do is speak at this commission, but, you know, 
I'm sure you commissioners talk to members of the Board of Supervisors. I'd like each and every one of you to ask yourselves, do we really need this law? Because whenever you have a law, it places a burden upon somebody. And uh, we should only place burdens upon people if there's a need for it. And for the life of me, I can't see why we need to force taxis to park in parking lots when they could park on city streets. Thank you. Thank you, Zuhair. And then Assad. Speaking of representing drivers, last time UTW represent me, they end up with a green cap. I don't know if the, they, they keep talking about providing benefits to their drivers. Do they? Last time you asked Mr. Thomas two questions, he started looking at the ceiling, and he ended up saying that, you know, we're running our company like any other company, tax company in the city. Anyway, we need a, a meter increase and uh, way bills. A lot of people, ha a lot of drivers are having a problem with their way bills when they come, you know, when their name, names comes up in the waiting list. Why can't the, all the cab company provide, like, coffee machine? You know, make a copy of your way bills, give them the original. We pay for it. We can, you know, feed the machine with a quarter or 50 cents to make a copy of our way bill. And I guess that's about it. Thanks. Thank you. Assad and then Tariq Mahmoud. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a very unique kind of situation. Uh, the drivers are between the deep sea and the devil. Can, and, you, can uh, you speak into the microphone? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, my point is that the gate was increased and the gas price is already up and it's going up and up. And uh, definitely they also increased the meter. But ultimately this whole thing is affecting the business. It's used to, Thursday used to be a busy night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are very slow nights. So as a result, it's uh, hurting, damaging the business. And if, I, I will not say do not increase the meter because all drivers want it. They want it to increase the meter, but definitely, ultimately, it will affect the business. People are reluctant to take taxis, and uh, it's not that busy. And the other thing is that the drivers are very worried about one thing for depositing advance money or whatever is the demand of the EDD because of this thing. And <clears throat> definitely a lot of drivers will lose their jobs just because they, they don't have money to, uh, to make an advance deposit. So why not this case should be uh, considered and uh, should be discussed between Taxi Cup Commission, EDD, and the uh, taxi companies so they can resolve this issue and they can find some solution because the drivers are very much worried about this thing, uh, about uh, depositing advance money and things like that, and they wanted to keep their status as an independent contractor. These are my points. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tariq Mahmoud and then Carl McMurdo. Good evening, Commissioners. Tariq Mahmoud. We'll start with, as I promised last time, that Mr. Tamanato made a health care report and it's full of horrific errors. Here are five pages. I give it to you. I got one copy at the moment. I'll try to make more copies next time and give all the commissioners. Go through Mr. Tamanato. This is only for you and see how many errors and how much blunders are there. 
Then we come to the next issue, the waybills. The people who are coming on the medallion list with the, due to the 69 medallions, uh, I think there are a lot of uh, wrong things happening now. Taxi Commission should ask all the cab company to send a list of the drivers currently driving immediately. And then that list should be updated every month or two months or three months so that the people who are going to some companies and getting the wrong fake way bills to qualify for the medallion should be stopped as quick as possible. Next we go about this Masood issue uh, who spoke over here. He did contact uh, this uh, taxi commission office and he was told you don't need to try anything because you are already short of number of years. You will not qualify. You will be denied. So he did not apply at all. He asked me at that time, should I go? I said, no, you, because if they told you you will be denied, now the taxi commission made an amendment that the people who are denied, only they can come forward to get requalified. This person never received the original letter when the law was changed. So when the law was changed, he was not informed that how many years he need to drive. So he didn't bother to drive that time. He came on board much after that. So his point is, I have no letter, no advice at that time. So you have to look into that, you know, gap into this issue. As regard to the gas, it's hurting us. It's a major issue. It's not a small. $30 a day each driver is paying from their pocket. We need this to be done very quickly. I have been listening from June. Oh, the report is coming from the hell and the heavens, and it's not here. I've been listening. So many things are done, but it's not coming. We need it now. It's already over, over, overdue. Coming another last point, UTW. You are defeated, and defeat after defeat after defeat. When normally somebody gets defeat, they stop coming there. They stop politics. They go away. This group will not go away. Their every effort has caused more harm to the driver instead of benefiting the driver. And there are people after that, is, oh, I can't take it anymore. Yes, you got to take it. You have failed the drivers. Now you leave the platform, let somebody else handle it. Thank you. Thank you, Carl McMurdo. And then uh, John Hahn is the last card I have. Thank you. Um, my issue is waybill custody. And behind me, our illustrious ex-president of the commission here, Martin Smith, has pointed this out. We just get one copy of the waybill when we go to work and we're required to turn it into the company, there have been such suggestions that um, the drivers should maybe go to Kinko's at the end of this shift and, or come in the next day and ask the management for a copy. That's very impractical, obviously, and there would be long lines that people need to do it. And it's a very serious thing because you saw a person up here today with the he said, she said, and we don't know if the guy drove the shifts or not. Um, one of the alternatives would clearly be if you required carbons carbon paper and have carbon copies when people go out for the shift. Uh, thank you. Thank you. John Hahn. And Rua, do you want to speak? You can speak after John. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, when you turn left at an intersection and it says no left turn except for buses and taxis, but sometimes it says no left turn except Muni, I just think that all those signs that have that should include taxis as well. I mean, you know, yeah. Okay, so uh, that, and I think that we should officially be legally allowed 
to park in a bus stop for the purpose of picking up and dropping off passengers, because if you think about it, there's no safer place on a street to do that. It's a big space, and I think right now, as it is, it's sort of an unwritten kind of a policy where, where the industry is just asking bus drivers to be sympathetic for the cause, but I think we should have a legal right you know, for like two minutes or 60 seconds or whatever to be stopped in a bus stop for the purpose of that. Again, there is no safer place on a street to pick up a passenger and drop them off, and it's better than double parking and stopping traffic. And uh, the other third thing I just wanted to say is that I find that myself, my personal experience and the experience of many drivers is that they do not have a copy of their lease agreements that they signed when they got hired by a company. That when they signed, when I signed a lease agreement and when I think it's the case of all the drivers, when they signed a lease agreement, that is kept in the company file. I can request a copy and I did, but it should be mandatory policy that drivers get a, a copy of their lease agreements when they signed it. So that's it. Thank you. Rografus. I'm glad time doesn't start until I get up here. Several points just to respond to John. As you know, it is part of taxicab regulations that every driver does get a copy of their contract. Um, I have several other points. As you all know, cabs can park already for four hours on the city streets, but the city should not be responsible for providing free parking for cab companies. I fully support the idea that there be cab lots. Those cab lots should be safe and secure for drivers. They should be fenced off. They should have cameras. There should be lights. Aero drivers were robbed on the lot at the uh, in the in the driver's room. There was an OSHA complaint filed on that, and for that reason, the company installed more lights and cameras. Although it's still unfortunately possible to get on that lot. Um, when cab companies want to have a new site, it should be fenced. We should make sure that it's secure for drivers. Um, we already have a dangerous enough job. It shouldn't be dangerous when you're going to turn your cab in. Um, the companies, when they want to change their site or add a place, they should have to have pictures of the proposed site. Then on to the waybill issue. This continues to be a big problem. I think there are some ways to make it a little easier. If the companies had to provide the um, records that they have of the drivers when they pay their gate receipts, that could be called cooperating evidence. Uh, we could also use, if the companies had to fax a list of their driver schedule every, mo every Monday morning as they have to fax information about um, the drivers did already fill out their way bill, yada, yada. If they had to every single week, send a copy of the schedule. When the driver doesn't have their way bills or there's a problem, that would be a second way of corroborating evidence. I think when the permit holder is the one who is sending a letter 
that in and of itself might be a problem one of the things that i think is often true in this business is that the permit holder is telling their long term lease driver that they have to fill out a way bill for the permit holder and as long as you've got this thing going on and you don't have any other way to to examine this with corroborating evidence you're going to have this problem with respect to Brown Brothers can I just finish this Yellow could easily fix his problem thank you there's a parking space at Yellow Cab with his medallion number on it and he gets to park there thank you thank you if anyone else wants to speak under public comment this will be the only public comment for tonight there is a separate time later on seeing none public comment is closed next item the next item is number seven taxi commission versus American Cab Company now I would like to just point out right away before I read the rest of the item this is not American Taxi Cab so let's just clear that up right now this is not American Taxi for anyone who's watching or sitting in the audience American Cab Company is a distinct corporation it's the holder of medallion 82 as well as some other medallions taxi commission versus so this American is not the American Taxi, taxi color scheme. Correct. It's a separate company that owns this medallion called American Cab Company. Yes, it's a pre-K medallion. Yeah, because I had a lot of questions. Because yeah. I wasn't clear on that myself. I know it's it's confusing because it happens to have the same, you know, name there. So nearly. Taxi Commission versus American Cab Company. Disciplinary hearing for medallion number 82 for violations of 4A1, 4A3, 4A4, 4C1, and Municipal Police Code section 1124. And if it's all right, I'll just go down to the podium. Okay, commissioners. So uh, what we have here is, um, as you'll recall, back in um, in July, uh, you heard the summary suspension of this particular medallion. Um, as well as associated individuals, those disciplinary cases are wending their way through the uh, commission's um, disciplinary hearing process. They're going to uh, hearing officer the individuals involved. That is, um, they had been scheduled for hearing officer um, for August, but and we had an interpreter and everything because the drivers involved needed an interpreter. However, uh, those were continued at the request of the defendants. So also at that time, uh, we had the summary suspension on this medallion. This medallion is alleged to have been involved in a um, four-layer, um, and actually there, is a, there was a concession on the part of the medallion, um, the medallion, the agent of the medallion holder for number 82, uh, that this medallion was involved in an illegal um, four-layer and perhaps beyond, actually, up to five layers leasing scheme. Um, the summary suspension issued against the medallion, as well as, as I stated, the in individuals involved. And um, the medallion holder, the agent for the medallion holder, appeared before you, and you voted to uphold the suspension unanimously, okay? And you decided to, um, you know, well, it then had to proceed to hearing. That time is now. I have been informed and believe that the issues pertaining to the illegal aspects that were noted in the complaint and that were the basis for the summary suspension in this complaint before you have in fact been remedied by the actions of the agent for the medallion holder as well as the company with which this medallion is affiliated. 
that being uh, Lux or Cab. So um, that is my statement at the outset. Um, now, there are some other issues with the medallion, um, but those are uh, not before you um, tonight. But what you have before you tonight has been remedied. So we are not being asked to approve uh, anything tonight. This is just information that you're providing us that the, the issue that came up before has been remedied. I mean, what is he, our what is our action tonight? He's here tonight. Your action is what what you decide, what you vote. But I'm stating that, as far as my office is concerned, as far as the issues that form the basis for this complaint, those have been addressed by the company's quick action and the medallion holders' quick action in this regard. Um, they took steps. So this just this gentleman is a. Uh, transferred his medallion to Luxor, or it was at Luxor when the incident took place. Yes. It's still at Luxor, but the relationship with has been severed between the people who are illegally operating it or operating it without a permit. Is that what you're saying? It went to a gas and gates vehicle from a long-term lease, which addressed the problems of there being a quintuple layer, layers. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Onetto? Well, uh, you, you stated, are there other issues with this, Medine? Yes. Are you going to continue investigating the yep. situation along with maybe all of American Cab? Yes. <laughs> there is. There are some outstanding issues, um, specifically involving the death of one of the um, and condolences for that death. Uh, but uh, um, the patriarch of the family is deceased, and he was a majority shareholder in the corporation. Pursuant to the municipal police code, upon his death, the um, shares transferred. Um, the, uh, his widow conceded that the shares had been distributed from him holding them individually to presumably the rest of the, it's not clear yet, uh, the, presumably the rest of the uh, shareholders in the corporation under the municipal police code, like the death of a pre-K individual medallion holder, such a transfer would trigger the return of the medallion to the city to be reissued to a live post-K individual. Um, that information was revealed um, during uh, the investigation for this particular case. Um, a couple of couple of comments. So, is it is it back to the original item that's before us? Is it your recommendation that we lift summary suspension? Is that your your suggestion to the commission right now? Well, um, I I do not make recommendations. As you know, my job is Fair to enough. bring you facts okay. and for you to decide. Okay. And then um, I guess, and, and this is a comment I think as much to my fellow commissioners, following up on what Commissioner Nonetto said, with respect to the additional matter that you're investigating, while I appreciate you keeping us informed about it, I don't think that it really should have any imp impact on the matter that's before us now. I mean, it, it, it'll come back before us if necessary, but right now we've got a limited issue in, in front of us, and, and we should uh, take a look at that, but I do encourage you to, to do what you need to do to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I, I agree with those comments. So... This, this medallion now is currently under a summary suspension, and we have the power tonight 
based on your testimony that the issues have been resolved to lift the summary suspension. That's the primary possible action that we could take tonight. You could find... We're not going to get into the whole case about Mr. Kumar and why he was driving it. I mean, if we wanted to do more than lift the summary suspension, we could do that based on these actions that were taken beforehand, but your recommendation is that it's been resolved in a way that those issues have been resolved. It's on a gas and gates basis now, operating legally, and that probably the summary suspension should be lifted. It is not my recommendation, but it is my investigation that demonstrates to me that the issues that formed the basis of this has been remedied because the vehicle's been off the road, but it's going to be operated as gas and gates. The other ones are being operated as gas and gates. Okay. As far as Mr. Kumar, et cetera, yes, this is not the last you're going to be seeing of these facts. Okay. That's what I wanted to clear up. That's not before us tonight, the Kumar issue, and this is simply the status of Medallion 82 and whether or not we should put it back into service under the new conditions. Technically, the rule violations are what's before you, so you could uphold, you could adopt, you could fine this company, you could continue the suspension for some period of time. Theoretically, you could revoke the medallion under the municipal police code, but again, my statement to you, my investigation demonstrates that these issues have been resolved, but you have that authority to impose discipline of your choosing. Okay. Before we go to public comment, are there any more, any further questions for Jordana? This isn't a situation where we have to allow the other side to, because... Theoretically, yeah. We should, okay. Yeah. Mr. Wong, are you here to represent this, or do you have someone else who is here to represent you, or is there anything you'd want to say to add? Why don't you come up and... You've heard the recommendation, or the analysis by the director, I should call it, and what we've been discussing. Is there anything you'd like to add? You know, actually, everything I've written now is a reiteration of what Jordana had just said. Just to clarify, this now is operating as a gas and gates basis at Luxor Cab? Yes. No longer on a long-term basis? No longer on a long-term basis. On someone that you don't know, or that... It's now managed under Luxor as gas and gate, in the gas and gate program. No more, yeah, that's it. That's all done. That's done. Okay. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? I can give you up to five minutes if you'd like to. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to also probably add that this is also done for all medallions, all gas and gate. No more long-term. That's done. So all medallions, they're in gas and gate. So I think that's the most I can do, and I believe that's the right thing for us to do. And I urge the Tax Cab Commission that we get 82 back on the road, back in service, and so we can just continue on. That's it. Thank you. Okay. Any questions for Mr. Wong? Is there anything you'd like to add now, Jordan, at this point? Okay. I'll take public comment on this for one minute, if necessary. If necessary, one minute. Charles? Good evening again, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone on behalf of Luxor Cab. Well, you can't imagine how anxious we are to get this one behind us. We were absolutely mortified when this incident happened. We have cooperated. Luxor and the Wong family have cooperated fully with the investigation at every step of the way. 
All of the Wong family medallions are now operating under the Gates and Gas program, with the exception of the one that's still at the Taxi Commission, and that will be operated Gates and Gas. The problem that happened with that cab has been remedied. It cannot happen again. I would suggest there's possibly a silver lining in all of this because the incident highlighted some problems that are endemic to hundreds of cabs in the industry, and those problems are now before the Rules Committee for a little closer look. So I would urge you to please let us get that medallion back into service right away. Thank you. Thank you. Tom? Good evening, Commissioners. I'd like to see 82 back on the road. The Wong family got a 70-day suspension on a medallion. That's pretty stiff coming down from this commission. Seventy days, that thing hasn't run. The public hasn't been served. I've got $30,000 worth of brand-new Ford Escape hybrid sitting there. Put it back on the road. I turn it onto the street tomorrow. I can get it numbered and inspected. We have been waiting with Mr. Wong to get that car on the road. Mr. Wong bent over backwards. When this happened, he was incredulous at what these people did. He was on the phone with me. I was out of town, and we worked with the police department, the commission, everybody. He immediately said, pull those people off the cab, shut it down now, before Ron Reynolds or anybody had a chance to do it. He's cooperated fully. He's a good owner, and he's taken a 70-day suspension. Please let medallion 82 go back on the road. Thank you. Anyone else? Commissioners and fellow commissioners, chairman and fellow commissioners, excuse me. Very briefly, my comments related to American Cab because I work for them for approximately a year. No, this is not American Cab. This is a separate company. That's what we said at the beginning, that we didn't want anyone to be confused. This is a company that's called, it's a separate company than American Taxi. Thank you. Anyone else wants to speak on this? Okay, public comment is closed. Commissioners, any recommendations or motions? I think it's time to lift the suspension and get it back on the street. Is that a motion? Well, I don't want to step on anybody's toes if they have another view, but I would move that the suspension be lifted. Is there a second? Sure. Second. Motion and a second to lift the suspension. That's right. Commissioner Benjamin is recused on this. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. Okay. Agenda item number eight. Agenda item number eight is a hearing for clarification of ownership and management status of Delta Cab Company. I'll give a brief introduction of this item, and I'm joined by Sergeant Reynolds, who's going to assist me in some of the statements regarding this issue to you. Now that you've adopted the designating a manager rule, hopefully this is the type of issue that can be cleared up in the future. However, not necessarily, because we have a problem here, as I've outlined in the memorandum. We have a problem with this company. We don't know exactly. We are being given conflicting information by two different individuals who claim to have the right to control this company. And 
At the outset, I would note that there's no question there are a number of civil liability issues involved for these parties, and there's obviously a civil dispute of great magnitude. I've heard someone in the industry refer to it as a blood feud, and we do not want to be put into the middle of that. We do not want to participate in such a discussion and such a feud, be it blood or otherwise. But we as an office, my office and Sergeant Reynolds, we have to know who is responsible for a color scheme, and we have to have a point of contact and someone that's going to give us direction and make applications and someone that we can deal with on a routine basis on all matters pertaining to the industry. And we cannot be in a situation, as we are in this case, of where we have conflicting people coming in during the day, all day long, and telling us different things. We just can't. And so because, first of all, I gave the parties time to resolve this issue. I encouraged them, strongly encouraged them, to obtain legal counsel to sort out their differences and to sort out their differences so that we could have one person to deal with. I don't think I need to really state a lot of the reasons why we need to have a point of accountability, but I think we can all know it's for public safety reasons. And this is a really serious problem. And so, you know, because they weren't able to work it out by the deadlines I specified, and because one of the parties insisted upon a hearing, here we are today. And you have a number of pieces of evidence before you that you can question us about, but I would just note at the outset that the particular letter of October 6th, which allegedly gave 50% ownership of the company to Martin Smith, even if that letter was accepted by the office and was stamped by the office, the fact is it was never calendared before the commission. So under the code, the ownership transfer, quote-unquote, was never a valid transfer because it was not approved by the commission. And some parts of the code state that the executive director makes approval, and some parts of the code state that the commission makes approval. This is one part of the code where it says that the commission makes approval, and you never did so. So any purported transfer never actually was valid under the law. So as far as we're concerned, David Vann is the actual owner of the color scheme, I'm sorry, the holder of the color scheme permit. Whether he's the legal owner of the company is not before us, before you rather. That is not an issue you're determining today. But from our perspective, for example, we have people coming in saying, make color scheme, let medallions come into Delta Cab, and then we have people saying, don't do that, keep Delta Cab as it is, keep it a small company. So that's where we need to have the person to listen to. I've had a number of problems with Delta Cab as far as, you know, over the past few months. Most recently, the most recent incident is that someone came in and they want to start their own color scheme and bring five medallions out of that company, and that person is not here tonight. It's neither of the parties that are involved in this dispute before you. I mean, the person is a medallion holder there, but it's not David or Marty. The person wants to start their own color scheme. I think my feelings on having more color schemes in San Francisco right now are pretty clear to everyone in the industry. I've made them public before. I think we have enough taxi cab companies right now. We're trying to get a handle on streamlining the rules. I would prefer to keep us at the amount we have and not see any new color schemes, understanding, however, that we do live in a market economy, and obviously people have a right to start a business if they want to. So that's where we're coming from on it, and Sergeant Reynolds is here. We just 
really want to have some clarification publicly so that it's clear to everyone who, who's on first, as it were. You know, I'm still a little unclear as to what our role is here tonight because you've clearly done your homework and made a determination that according to all the existing documents that have been filed, that your interpretation is that David Vann is the owner of Delta Cab. So I'm not exactly clear on what possible action we would be taking here tonight and what it's our responsibility to do. Mr. Owen, could you? I, you can have a hearing just to flesh out the issues, but the permit is held by one individual. There's been no transfer. That's the end of the story. So basically this is a hearing to clarify the issue in a sense, and that's what you have begun to do and that Sergeant Reynolds is going to do, but we don't have to hold a big inquisition here as to going over the facts of all these documents, do we, or do we? Or is that the purpose of what we're here for tonight? No. You don't have to do anything. There's nothing you can do until the current color scheme permit holder applies for a transfer of the color scheme. Mr. Slaughter, do you want to add something? Yes, I do. All I would say is I think, Director Thigpen, you've done an outstanding job on this issue. I endorse your findings wholeheartedly. I appreciate that this has got to be a tremendously frustrating issue to deal with on a day-in and day-out basis, and I think that from here on out, you listen to, you should treat David Vann or whoever he designates as his manager under the new resolution we've adopted as the person you deal with. You ignore everybody else, and if the issue persists to a degree that is intolerable, then we can address it then. But the fact of the matter is these guys have to get into civil court or somewhere else. We're not going to be the ones who can or should make a determination about who owns the company, and if it gets to the point where you can't deal with Vann, then we'll have to decide whether to suspend or revoke the color scheme permit because it's just not acceptable. This is not something you should be being forced to waste your time on. So I empathize with you, and I appreciate what you've done on it, and I think that what President Gillespie has said is right. We don't need to take any action, but I think it's valuable to have a public statement from members of the commission saying that, yeah, from everything we've seen and everything I've seen, you've done exactly the right thing, and if we have to address it again later, we should, but it's not our role to adjudicate who's the legal owner of a company. We have our own rules and regulations. It's clear from our perspective who the holder of the color scheme permit is, and that's all we need to do, and that's where we are. That's all I have to say. Sergeant Reynolds. The department concurs. We do not want to get involved in a civil matter. Matter of fact, we cannot get into a civil disagreement over ownership. The concerns that the department has is one that the executive director has brought out, public safety, but also a concern that we have for the drivers of this company. As we started down Union's path last year, we started to see the drivers were the ones that were being the most victimized. We have had reports of weapons. We've had to get 
adult protective services involved in this. We've had to get special investigations involved in this. And it is an issue that there may be criminality on it. Our belief is that we keep a very close eye on this situation to make sure that however this falls in and whoever ultimately ends up responsible for this company, that they follow the rules and that nobody gets exploited and nobody gets hurt. And I think that that's the main reason why we're bringing this to you, is that this is a blip on the radar screen and it's something that we need to take serious to be proactive. I want to just clarify, are you saying that our relations with Mr. Vann have something, leave something to be desired in terms of compliance with everything that we expect of a color scheme? And so there's, is that the question you're raising? What I am saying is we are now getting a number of conflicting reports, as in I will use a term that the executive director used, a blood feud. So when you have a situation like that, some is reality, some is not. But reports are coming to both of our offices about people overcharging, undercharging, about things not running the way they should be running. So that is why we're looking very closely at this to make sure that everybody is playing above board and trying to get out the rumor from fact. So does that explain? Well, it does to a certain extent. I'm afraid that it's not what's on our agenda tonight, though. What's on our agenda tonight is determining whether we have any role to play in figuring out who this color scheme owner is and from what the investigation is, as it seems that Mr. Vann is. Now, whether or not there's issues with the color scheme in terms of compliance with our other rules, that's a separate issue, I think, than what's actually on the agenda here tonight. So I hear what you're saying. Right. But I don't think it changes the way I feel about what we're here to do tonight or what Commissioner Slaughter said about this. Okay, so do either of you have anything to add at this point before we – are there any questions from commissioners? Well, actually, since this – I thought this was a hearing, so our – well, it's discussion and possible action, but it is a hearing. Do we hear from the two people who are in contention? Well, I think during public comment they will have the right and we will have the right to ask them questions. I think, as Commissioner Slaughter said, I'm not sure it's actually a hearing for us to determine ownership because I think from what I've seen from the memo for Director Thidpen, that's been determined. And it's pretty clear what has been done and what hasn't been done. There would need to be an approval from us, which has never happened, for there to be a change in the color scheme. So if there's not going to be a separate hearing but there will be part of public comment, I have a couple of issues that perhaps will be addressed during the public comment. I don't need answers right now unless – And you'll be able to follow up with questions with any of the parties if they come up. Okay. But basically, and perhaps this – I agree that this belongs in civil court. Start off right there. You know, it's a partnership disagreement and it needs to be settled in court. However, I am confused why the Treasurer's Office would permit a business in one person's name. And I think that needs to be resolved, you know. Yeah, let me just address that briefly. I called the Treasurer's Office because I was actually 
wondering about that too. Like, can anyone just walk in and pay a permit fee of any business and then just get their name? I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll go down and, you know, put my name on the GAPS business license, you know, and then I'm the owner of the GAP, you know, a multimillionaire, right? So that rule is if the person owns the DBA, the name of the, the DBA, which in this case there's no question that um, Mr. Smith's name is actually on the DBA, and we do not regulate those, so that's between him and the treasurer's office now. If the person's name appears on the DBA and they come down and pay a permit fee for, you know, another type of license, such as a color scheme permit license, um, or color scheme permit, rather, uh, then the treasurer's office will, the cashiers will allow that person to be listed, if they wish, on that permit as well. Because the theory in the treasurer's office's mind is, well, if the person has the DBA to operate under that name, then they must be the owner of the permit as well. Okay? The fact that they allow that regulation does not impact what our office understands and what our rules and our codes say as far as who a color scheme holder is. The fact that a clerk is allowed to enter a name into something because of an alternative permit that's held. It's, it's just simply not, not relevant as far as I interpret this code. So that is the question. And then as far as addressing these future problems, I will be looking into each color scheme permit and ensuring that with each color scheme that the proper name, now that this has come up, that the proper name is on each permit. And if it's not, then I will be working with each person to make sure that it, w it will be the right name. Okay. My second question, and I think you can also clear this up, is that um, there was a, a, uh, in the findings, well, quote-unquote findings, was that um, the color scheme application must be forwarded to the commission in order to be approved. So when I look at the color scheme declaration, which I guess is different, that's signed off by the taxi detail. So I'm wondering, oh. is this a recent change or... You know, what comes before the commission, what goes to the taxi detail as okay. far as this goes? That's an old form, and that was done, if you look at the data back. 2005. Yeah, so, like, we haven't had any new color schemes since I have been director. Right, so the old practice, though, is what I'm looking at. The yes. old practice was that it did not come before the commission. Um, it did come before the commission, but it would come on, it would, these forms would be filled out and then it would appear on your agenda. That's what I'm saying. This 2006 issue never appeared on your agenda whatsoever. So this signed off even for David Van then isn't really legit. I mean, I'm just, I'm just checking into it, you know, and just saying if it was signed by the SFPD, you know, I, I just, we're not going to decide no. this. I think it's civil court, but I want to understand. Okay, so, so what you're looking at, the... What is going on there with the, two, the February 17, 2005 color scheme applicant declaration, right. whereby David Van lists himself as the manager, mm -hmm. he was removing Roger Cardenas. He fired Roger Cardenas. He then put himself as the manager and took Roger off. That's why it says amendment, because it's an amendment to the original application. Okay. Okay? That, that's, that's helpful. And now Roger's back. <laughs> Okay, and then my, my last um, item, I, I believe when uh, there was a request through public comment, um, and I may be in error, but um, to have this eventually calendared, um, the request was coming up in a format of wanting to um, 
approve another color scheme for Martin Smith. I did hear you say... It's not Martin Smith. It's a medallion holder at the company, and he is probably watching the hearing right now. I told him to just hold his application until after the hearing, and he can make a decision at that point. He wants to apply and take five medallions from that Delta cab with him and start his own taxi cab company. Okay. And I just falsely assumed that that request, because of this whole situation, was Martin Smith's, which if he owns the DBA, which again is a civil thing, but if he owns the DBA, it's not us to say whether or not that DBA would go if we approved another color scheme. It's not up to you for a DBA, but that's going to raise some more issues, which I'm not going to get into, but there's going to be some issues about whether, and it's going to be up to Mr. Smith, but whether Delta cab has the right to continue operating under that name. So it may raise some questions later on down the road for my office to deal with. Hopefully we will not have to have any more discussion about it here. And again, that could be covered in a civil trial. Okay. All right. Thanks. Those were just some confusing points for me, and thank you. Are there any other questions? Commissioners? Okay. Thank you. We'll go to public comment now for one minute on this agenda item. Is there anyone who wants to speak on this? Well, Martin Smith is not a stranger. He's an ex-president of this commission. It's not a new guy for you that you don't know or you have to think about it, you know. In fact, I believe it is your fault 100%. He submitted his application two years ago to tax the commission, and it doesn't went through process. In fact, I believe it's somewhere it was lost in some new records. This is not his fault that you not went through. He has done whatever he's supposed to have done from his part. And I'm not saying that David Wynn is not a color scheme holder. I know David Wynn many years, and I know Martin Smith also. But the fact of the matter is I've been told by Mr. Wynn that Martin Smith is a manager. In fact, from the time when Mr. Smith take over the business and start to manage, the first time in the history of the Delta Cab Company's history, it was legitimate operation of the cab company from 9 to 5, business operation and everything else. There's a lot of things to talk about it, but I'm a witness for this situation. And unfortunately, I don't have any time. But if you have any questions, I'm here. Thank you. I would just like to answer Commissioner Slaughter's comments that it is not your problem. I think it is your problem for a fact because I have three letters here. I don't know if you got them in your package. I have three letters here from the tax commission addressing Martin Smith and David Wynn at the same time to Delta. So if you don't have them, I can give you copies of them. But, you know, I do believe it is a civil matter. But I think did you look at the letter that David Wynn and the witness that was a part of that? And you don't think it's part of the commission? The commission? Well, it's not the commission's role to adjudicate in this forum. Nobody's asking you to adjudicate. What I'm saying is you should recognize the fact that I was 50 percent owner of the color scheme. And it was recognized by the then commissioner, the executive director, Heidi Machen. 
I understand that you have that correspondence in the file. My understanding, though, from the city attorney and from the executive director is that without approval of the commission for the transfer of the color scheme, that the correspondence is a letter. And if I address a letter to somebody and say, hey, you're the president of the United States, just because I said it doesn't make it so. No, no, but I'm not running for office, sir. How's that? I'm not running for office. If I addressed a letter to you as owner of a different business and you weren't owner of that business, it doesn't make it so. But if I have the evidence showing that I am, it is so. But the evidence that's required is an approval by this commission of the transfer of the color scheme. Exactly, and you can prove that tonight. Well, that hasn't happened. But it can happen, though. It can happen if the current color scheme holder, permit holder, and I can ask the executive director and the city attorney to confirm this, request that it be so. No, you have paperwork here saying that you have paperwork with his signature and a verification of his signature. What? He, from the commission's standpoint, is the permit holder, unless he asks us to transfer the permit. But you had a transfer in your office and recognized by these letters that Martin Smith, and these were addressed to Martin Smith and David Vann. Listen, I'm going to defer to the director, the executive director, and the city attorney who are closest to the issue than I am, but I don't see the matter. Unless the person who's recognized by this commission as the permit holder requests that it be transferred, it's... But, you know, if I may, you know, because this actually goes back to the amendment that David Vann had signed with the taxi detail. And when I look at the fact that we're all saying, oh, it goes to the commission, well, that's for color schemes being created and for transfers of color schemes, but not for amendments, which is how everything was treated with David Vann as well when he removed and terminated someone from his company. And now we have adding Martin not as sole, but as 50% owner. That's why I think it's a partnership thing, a civil court thing. But I do think that to say it always went to the commission for this type of a thing in a time when you weren't here, I think I can't really go wholeheartedly that it always came to the commission, even if it hit the staff. I can't either. I wasn't here, but I'm just telling you what the law is. And if things were not being sent to the commission, that's a problem. That is a problem that, you know, from a staff perspective, if staff was not doing that and didn't read the code or whatever or didn't interpret it, you know, wasn't aware of that requirement. But that is the requirement. And so now that the issue's come up, and the reason it came up, as I stated, is that we were getting conflicting information. One of them is saying, don't put any more medallions in my company. I don't want them anymore here. I just want to keep a small company and have a low-key life. The other one is saying, I want to be the biggest cab company in the city. So, you know, and then there's a dispatch change. One of them wants to be with one dispatch company. The other one wants to be with the other. Even if, and I might point out, too, even if the letter was valid and the commission had approved, we would still be sitting here having this conversation because 50% on one side, 50% on the other. And so at that point, the discussion would turn to, commission, please adjudicate, can we have a 51% owner? That's exactly why we need a designated manager and exactly why we need a color scheme owner. Personally, I would recommend that they start a new color scheme and, you know, just let everyone who wants to transfer to one or the other go that route. But 
I understand it may not have been happening. I understand what you're saying, that it should have been happening. But I'm also looking at David Vann's amendment that got signed off by the SFPD, whereas we're not accepting the fact that statements could have been put in and filed. I understand that nobody wants to make the determination here. I'm just saying that there was a process that we should recognize that there was a process. And, again, I would just recommend that we do allow another color scheme to be formed, that we let the taxis go. Because there are so many taxi driver statements that they would prefer to have a certain management one over the other. And I would just point out as a last thing is that David's applicant declaration was to designate a new manager, not to designate a new owner of the company. Roger was not an owner at that time, according to the paper we have. He was merely a manager. And now he is, though, right? David wants to make him a manager again, and so David will have to follow the new rule you've just adopted as far as that's concerned. Okay. All right. Good evening, Commissioners and Madam Director. I'm Jack Trad, owner of SF Taxi Cab Company. This is a contract that was signed by Marty and also David Vann. It's notarized. I was there. Roger, David Vann, Marty, and myself, we met twice a week, sometimes three times a week at a restaurant. We discussed a lot of things, especially the ownership of the color scheme. And David Vann at that time was not very happy being a color scheme holder. So he talked with Marty about transferring, and that's what happened. And so from that time on, I don't know what happened. And I don't think anybody else will know unless they themselves will tell you. Something happened between them after this contract was signed. Thank you. Is there anyone else that has anything to say on this public comment? Okay. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Well, Commissioners, is there anything any of you would like to say before I say something? I would just be concerned that if we say for the purposes until now, until they take care of the problem in court as to who the owner is, I'm just concerned about the staff. I mean, if there's anything, you know, we can say that and hope that they adhere to that. But if the staff is still going to have the same problem, I just wonder if there's anything we can say or do to, you know, the problem of two different people saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. You know, that's wait staff time and causes them concern. We're just going to keep accepting any applications or whatever. The only person that we're going to accept them on behalf of for purposes of Delta Cab is David Vann. And David Vann's going to need to, you know, we've heard reports of some circumstances and conditions out there at the company that are cause for grave, grave concern. As Sergeant Reynolds outlined, what he outlined is only the tip of the iceberg. So he is strongly cautioned to 
take control of the situation out there. So that's what I will say. If not, then we'll see a disciplinary case. Well, I just want to go on record that um, whereas I understand our limitations, I do want to say that um, I, I believe Martin Smith. He was the president of the Taxi Commission. I do not think he would lie about an ownership. Whether or not we can do anything about it, I do want to go on record that I believe that he would not come before this commission, a commission he worked so hard to represent and, and bring forward something he did not believe was true. And I do hope that he, if this gets resolved um, to his benefit in, in civil court. I would echo what Commissioner President said there, and I would um, say that it's just um, um, not our ability to remedy this situation, at least in my view, unless until someone tells me different that I have the authority to determine who the owner of this business is, then I, I don't think that I'm, we're in a position to do it, unfortunately. So. Any other commissioner comments? I align myself with those comments also. So I guess I would say if there are no other comments, there's nothing that we have to do here and no action that we can take. So next item. The next item is consideration of resolution urging San Francisco Taxi Cab Companies not to require the collection of deposits and prepayments from drivers. And there is a resolution attached. Did we ever hear from any of those other agencies? We only had one presentation, and, and I know our president had a number of questions from the EDD yeah. before we get into this. Um, the EDD, I have had contact with that office, and um, I was, uh, you know, she was out of town basically last week, and she trans transfers from office to office, um, but she indicated she would be receptive to a meeting. Um, it's my intention to meet with her personally, um, hopefully to attract um, her to come to our hearing, um, assuming, of course, that she can have a nice uh, reception here. Um, our other guest uh, <laughs> was not necessarily afforded a, a reception that um, would incite the other individual to be attracted to come to the hearing, not by the commissioners, um, but by some um, some heckling that was going on in the audience that was beyond the control of, of the commissioners. But um, I know that it caused concern for that individual, and that's unfortunate. Uh, we should treat our guests with respect, as we now are doing so great treating each other with respect here at this commission. I just want to thank everyone. I had to read that admonishment a while ago, and it's just great now. You know, um, people are really being respectful, and that's, that's great. But hopefully our guests will come. In, in, um, and I'm going to try my best to attract her to come so she can answer some of the outstanding questions around this issue because it is obviously an issue impacting literally millions and millions of people in the state of California and um, literally hundreds and hundreds of taxi cab companies. So this is not a small issue by any means. This is not an issue that the commission can resolve um, by itself. Um, but, you know, that's, that's an ongoing conversation with the EDD. So I will definitely keep you updated as to the status of that conversation. Thank you. So, Director Thigpen, would you like to introduce this resolution or Commissioner Onato or? Well, it's just this is 
really what we voted on at the last meeting written formally, but I would agree that we should attach the resolution that was passed by the Board of Supervisors along with this, as was stated by David from Sunshine. And I apologize. I actually meant to do that, but it was late in getting the packet out, and so I didn't do it. But it should be attached as an addendum. You could amend it to say that. Okay. Matt? Yeah. Before we get into what else is going to go with this, although that was a good suggestion. Thank you, Commissioner. I think actually until we get the feedback from the EDD, this is premature. And I'm just going to say that we voted it down, of course, not with the full commission. I'm glad you're here, Commissioner Slaughter, no matter which way you vote, but I'm glad you're here. I just think it's premature since we don't have all the information for a couple of statements, such as, you know, they've begun enforcing employment laws. Well, that's fine, but the EDD still says this is legal. So it kind of misleads in the statement that there's something that's not correct. So that's just all I have to say. I think it's a premature resolution when we don't have all the information. Well, actually, this isn't as strong as I wish it was because this is still saying urging and not requiring. So I believe that at our last commission meeting, there was a majority of us that believed that we should send something forward urging them to stop the prepayments until we have the meetings. This is formally doing that. As a matter of fact, as I heard everyone that was here at the last meeting. We did discuss saying that would be great, and then as the discussion grew, as I recall, most of the commissioners here, not all, said, well, this really is a business matter that would resolve itself because the drivers would not stay with a company that was doing something illegal and paying what they were paying. We would see an influx of requests to change color schemes, and we would approve them. And I think that's where the conversation went round to at that point. Speaking as someone who wasn't there, with no information whatsoever. We could have really used you too, Commissioner Slaughter, I've got to tell you. I don't know about that. But just on that very last point, on the freedom of people to move back and forth, different color schemes, this is a regulated industry. The freedom to move is not nearly so easy, I think, as we would sometimes say. So I just wouldn't necessarily assume that the market can adjust itself so quickly, and especially when we have, as I understand, again, I confess that I'm not as up to this, and I wasn't able to be at our last meeting, but especially if the dominant largest player in the industry is the one who is going to be the first or most stringent in implementing such a program. And so are you talking about having hundreds of drivers all of a sudden get up and march and move? I think that's tremendously unlikely. And so while you might like to think that a market 
that the market could handle or the free market would handle such a situation. But I think in a regulated industry, it's highly unlikely and highly unlikely in this situation in particular. So regardless of the merits of the underlying program, I think that the idea that you would hope that the market would handle that issue presents other issues that may or may not happen. So that's all I've got to say. Can I just say that I think that that's perhaps a proper speculation. However, we also have the fact that we have some representatives here from Yellow Cab who can shed some light on what's been happening since this has been proposed. And from my end, I can say that the comments that I've seen in the discussion at the commission have not been so directed from a bunch of drivers from Yellow Cab, but more from other parties within the industry that are maybe concerned for one reason or another that aren't necessarily directed strictly for that one purpose. So I would be concerned to say that I want to wait and see what's been happening since this has been moving forward. And if there is some problem, then maybe we could urge them even further. But if not, I agree with Commissioner Renato that we are urging, we're not requiring this to happen so that this resolution could possibly go forward at this time. Any other comments before I go to public comment? You know, I have some questions. Wait, no. I was just thinking I'm reliving our last meeting, which was a lot of fun for me. If I remember right, most of the comments from drivers that weren't already long-term leaseholders were asking us to stop prepayments. Most of the individuals that were here, now a lot of them didn't speak, but were already long-term leaseholders, not counting the company people. Now, you can imagine how much I believe corporations and companies telling me the truth. But I think that what we heard was a plea from a lot of drivers asking us to slow them down. And what I was asking for is just to slow it down until we could have our meeting and decide what was going on with all this and get the EDD. That's what I was asking for, if you remember. I wasn't asking, this is it, never again. No, I was asking to slow down so we can have our meeting and clarify the issue. That's what I was asking for. So what I heard was mostly drivers saying, help us. That's what I heard. And, Commissioner, did you find the issue to be clarified for you last meeting? See, that's where I have a problem, is that I didn't find the issue clarified at all. I found it muddied, confused. And that's why I said that I wanted to have our information, that I wanted to hear from the Department of Labor, from EDD, from the company. I wanted to see the lease that I haven't seen yet. I saw the sign-up page. You know, I mean, I want all that in front of me. How am I supposed to make any kind of informed decision if I don't have any information? But it should be still, why are we getting rid of gas and gate? You know, this is the end of gas and gate. That's what you're telling me. And I have a little problem with that. That's not what's happening. Wait a minute. Anything over a day is not gas and gate. 
Right. And, and what's and, happening and, right and now is, is one day prepayment. And if you're telling me that it isn't, that they're doing this so they can get rid of work comp, now that's another thing, too. Because I'm the one that dealt with the contracts like this, and I know I saw this happen. I saw this happen. So don't tell me it isn't about getting rid of work comp. I'm not saying anything about workers' comp. <laughs> so anyway, that, I'm seeing long term. You, you can all see where you want. <laughs> I, I guess I am confused a little bit about what you just said, Commissioner Onetto, because or what I understood you to say, because to me this is gas and gate for a long term, not getting rid because the what? Wait, wait, wait. Let me finish, please. What I understood was that the drivers. If they didn't drive and they got someone to substitute, the money came back to them. If they, if they drove for a certain number of shifts, that was what they paid for the month. So I... Okay, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what my definition of gas and gate is. Okay. You go in, you pick up a car, you pay your fee for the day, you go out and drive, and, and then you come back and you're gone, and you keep the money that you collected out there, not counting the gas you paid. Does anybody want to disagree with me on gas and gate? Okay, pay at the end. Well, well it's actually, still one day. it's pay at anything, the end or beginning. Anything over a day mm -hmm. is a lease to me. Anything <coughs> over a day. So if you're going to have one month's worth of money sitting there being prepaid or deposited or whatever term you want to use, it's, it's no longer gas and gate because now it isn't the one day anymore. So that's how I see gas and gate as one day period. I want to address what I think is my fundamental problem with this resolution, which is you touched on, which is saying that we're urging something. And in my 10 years on this commission, we've never urged anything. We've never, we've never passed a resolution in this form urging something to happen. Now, this, the Board of Supervisors does that. It urges other bodies to pass rules and things like that. But this is a case where the Taxi Commission actually has authority to make a rule. Well, at least some would argue that we would have authority to make a rule, whereas this resolution is simply urging something to happen. And I'm not sure that that's where we want to go with this. And I think well, you might feel some reluctance, too. I mean, I think... Yeah, sure. I'd like to stop it right now. That's what I want. I don't want no prepayment until we have our meeting. That's what I want. But I, uh, even I wasn't for, getting any support. Even for people who are on voluntary long-term lease prepayments now? No, that's that, that's grandfathered in. I, I wasn't even talking about the guys that are already doing it. That's up to them. But there's a lot of people. You know, I'm, I'm hearing people are saying that you sign it or get out. Well, the, last res the last resolve clause says, further resolve, the tax commission strongly urges companies not to require any deposits or prepayments from drivers for any term longer than one shift. There's also, there's already, you know, quite a percentage of the fleet that's on long-term leases that are longer than one shift. Well, it's required and urges. I mean, it, it, it's, this is just saying, please cut it out. And it's it's well the other problem I have with this resolution is it's using deposits or prepayments sort of interchangeably, and and I don't under I don't see that as 
being a deposit is clearly something that's illegal right now. It's precluded by case law from any companies in San Francisco collecting a deposit, a security deposit or anything. So when we say deposits or prepayments, we're sort of lumping them together and assuming that they're the same thing. To me, it is the same thing. You know, okay, strike out deposits. But to me, it's the same thing. Prepayment, deposit. You know, now let's get out of thesaurus. I mean, you know. Well, I guess the point I'm making is there was a case that specifically prohibited a $500 security deposit. And Yellow Cab and the companies that were doing that had to give that money back. And theirs is legislated what they want for a deposit. It's $96.50 unless it's a hybrid vehicle or alternate fuel vehicle. And how many shifts you work, and that's the deposit. I didn't get that. It's how many days you're going to work multiplied by the gate. That was the original plan, which they have dropped. Well, see now, and you're telling me, I want to see all this in front of me because I don't know what they have anymore. I don't know. Has anybody, has any commissioner seen the form? Well, I mean, I can tell you, I drive at Yellow Cab, and they're requiring a one that your current, the shift that you go out on needs to be prepaid. That's it? That's it. One day? That's it. So, in other words, I urge. Excuse me. There will be a time for public comment, so anybody who wants to say anything in the audience will have all the time they need to, and we don't have to have a hubbub. Okay? Thank you. Well, I'd like to see all this. I'd like to see their lease. I'd like to see the paperwork. You know, I can get my way through a contract. Honest, I can. I can get my way through a contract. Honest. I know. I'm just trying to clarify that that's what's in place right now. Then what do they need a signature for on anything? That's what they're doing anyway. That's a gassing gate. Come on. You know, I haven't just fallen off the turnip truck. You know. I'm not accusing you of that, Commissioner. No. I'd like, I want to see this. You know, I want to see it in black and white. I'm sure Yellow Cab could get that to you. I think it should have been at the commission already. May I? Yes. You know, one thing I'm hearing you, Commissioner Arnetto, and you, President Gillespie, and myself all agreeing on is that we don't like the word urge, that we need more information, that, you know, if it's against the law, we want to require something. So it seems to me like we're all on the same page here of needing more information and that urge is too weak. If I get information in front of me that says that this is an illegal activity, I'll go right there to say, you know, ban this activity. Yeah. But I think I just heard all three of us say that. And if I'm mistaken, please correct me. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with that. That's what I, like I said, that's what I wanted two weeks ago is just to get, but I wanted it, I don't want them to get it into the system before we've had a chance to discuss it here at the commission and see the paperwork. This is just a little bit more impetus to get them to think about, slow it down. I'd rather say instead of urge, I should just stop. But this is what I heard last week, I mean two weeks ago. Well, I have a question. You're saying that they, in other words, after our meeting last time, Yellow did not go, they did not follow through on what they 
had said they were going to do? Actually, before the meeting, they had decided not to go. Okay, so they didn't follow through on that. Okay. So that was the original thing that got people upset was that they were going to be requiring a month prepayment. Right. And that's what people got upset. That was pulled back. It's a nightly one shift that you have to prepay now. So I understand that, you know, there's still confusion about this issue, though, and that's why I don't think anything, for me, nothing was clarified last week or at our last meeting. And so that's why I don't, what we have before us tonight, to me, is not an adequate response to the situation we're in right now. It's kind of vague. It's urging people to comply with the existing law. That's not the kind of resolution I'm really in favor of passing is to urge people to comply with existing law. I mean, that sort of goes without saying. But having said that, I know that this is not over with yet, and if there's any moves to go toward a full month prepayment, then I'm going to support a resolution that we can draft to make that not possible. So we're not at that point now, though. I think we've only got about four meetings left, right? Well, somebody is going to be regulating this industry. Well, I know Veterans Day we're not going to have one. Mr. Owen, are you wanting to add something? Is that the look I see? Yes. You're talking about a rule that's going to have to be re-noticed with 10 days' notice. If it's not this, right. If it's not this urge resolution. Something other than the resolution. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I may, a few thoughts. I sort of agree with the sentiment that we need to have a little bit more clarity before we pass any resolution. I appreciate Commissioner Netto's view, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I suspect that unless something is pretty darn crystal clear, he's going to want a resolution that precludes the activity that's being proposed. But I don't think that we can pass this resolution as it stands. And I understand that you don't want to get them started before we can get more info in. And I guess that's where I differ with you a little bit, because I think having a month or six weeks or even a few weeks of experience can't be that bad of a thing, and that we can learn something from it and see where it works. See how it's working. The last thing I would say is that there's been a bunch of talk about whether, boy, if it's illegal, we're going to ban it. Well, if it's illegal, it's banned. It's awfully nice for us to throw in our two cents, but it really isn't necessary. And I would just urge us to consider, and I think you mentioned it, President Gillespie, and I'm sure, Commissioner Netto, you would support this idea, that it doesn't have to be illegal for us to take a policy position on it, and we can set our regulations as we see fit. And I would believe that if this commission had a broad consensus that we didn't want anything beyond a one-day prepayment out there in the industry, and I think that there's good reasons to for and against it, that we could craft a regulation that required that. And we can have a regulation that's more stringent than state law if we believe that that's appropriate for our jurisdiction. So I don't think that we need to limit ourselves to whether something is legal or illegal statewide 
or not in considering how we want to regulate the industry in San Francisco. So that's all I have to say. A public comment. Do either the time O's? <laughs> I have two time O's over there, either one. Okay. I'm going to take public comment on this uh, item now. Just go ahead and line up. I know people want to speak. At the United Taxi Cab Workers this week, we've gotten several people, a number of people who have come frantic. They are being held out of service. One driver showed me receipts. When he went to work on Sunday, he was charged before the shift. At the end of his shift on Sunday, he was charged again for the shift. And they said, well, you're supposed to be working tomorrow. Do you want to work tomorrow? He said yes. And they charged him ahead of time for that shift. On a Sunday shift, a day shift, they made him pay $250. He came home with $10 in his pocket. They told him that he was going to have to put down $100 for a deposit until he had $500 on a prepayment. And if he didn't pay $10 on every shift, he wasn't going to be allowed to work. Come on. Next speaker, please. Chairman Gillespie uh, and fellow commissioners, I was going to start off the last time with uh, American Cab, so I'll start off this time with it. American right now charges a $20, $25 prepayment per shift on all their shifts, day and night. But coming back to the prepayments, the problem is, is that I work for Yellow Cab, and I respect Mr. Weiner, who's in the audience right now, because he helped me out on one or two occasions. But Yellow Cab uses the cash stream from prepayments almost as if it's an administrative charge. Over a three-year period while I worked there, I paid administrative charges on accidents that weren't even accidents. Somebody bumped the car, and therefore I got something in the mail nine months later that said I owed them 500 bucks. This went on nonstop. Yellow is using this prepayment not only to avoid insurance charges, but I'm willing to believe as a cash flow stream of riders that, or drivers that won't be there in the future, of which they'll still have the money for them. I thank you. Thank you. Evening, Commissioners. My name is Bill Manji, taxi driver. I thought you would have to recuse yourself, seeing as yellow cab we're dealing with. But seeing you didn't, you're still here. Um, my, pro my, my problem is I know people who have paid the month up front and they haven't got their money back. Also, yellow cab at the last meeting said they would give you the agreement on paper, and they haven't done this, obviously. And I would like to know the reason why they want to do this. I'd like to know why they want to charge up front. What's the difference after or before? But for me, for them to change this after 25 years of operation, why are they doing it? What's the deal? And there's got to be something going on at Yellow Cab for them to want to do this. 
And um, as far as the, 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 the big advance, people are already paying it. So you've got to put a stop to it. Good evening, Commissioners. Mauro from Green Cap. I've been, I was with Yellow for 12 years, and tomorrow is going to be my second day at Green Cap. I just really didn't agree with this prepayment agreement because it's not one day. It's not one day. Mr. President, you are there every day, and you know that we have to get in line with the trade drivers in that cashier line, and it takes an hour to pay this. So drivers are paying four or five days in advance, one week in advance in order to drive, because they don't want to bother getting into the line. And I can tell you this, I more or less represent a lot of Brazilian drivers that don't want to come, don't want to come here to talk because they're fearless of losing their jobs. They, they belong to the union, and there are a lot of drivers over there that don't want to even show up at tax commission to complain and more. I was very lucky to find Green Cab, and I had to wait for two, three months to find a shift over there because there are no jobs in the city. There are no jobs until December when the other companies, the smaller companies, are going to be opening up space. So I do really don't agree with this prepayment agreement. Thank you. Hi, good evening, Taxi Commission. Uh, I'm apologize for the earlier mistake. It should be meter increase. Now, you know, yellow already put a sign two months ago for prepayment because, as far as I know, in San, uh, in San Francisco, if you are if you lease something, you have to pay in advance. If you rent an apartment, you still you have to pay the advance too. So, and I saw the EDD note too. I mean, if you are an individual um, businessman, you have to pay an advance. And I don't think it is wrong. And also, they put a sign for a few months ago. So, uh, and which uh, one of the persons said, Yolo charged $250, but I don't think this is right. Uh, this is not right, because I just paid only one shift, $100. And I got notice two and three months ago. And, uh, I think uh, if you are individual leaseholder, you should pay the money. Good evening, Mark Gruber. This is not premature. If anything, it's way too late. It could have been stopped before it got to this point. Uh, you know, what more do you need? You have the Board of Supervisors resolution to act on. And all, and all you're being asked to do here is, 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 is to take a position. Uh, if Commissioner Gillespie would support a prohibition on this, why wouldn't he support a request on the same issue? It, it doesn't make any sense. Some things are very clear here. There is a very strong potential for taking away existing long-established rights. But, but put that aside. Uh, just on simple economic grounds, this is causing great anxiety, great hardship for many drivers, one of whom told me that he was told when he said he couldn't pay, use your credit card or sell your car. That's the kind of pressure that's being put on drivers. And this yellow may have tactically backed off for the moment, but I have it on very good authority that they fully intend to go ahead. You need to ask them that question and get a very clear answer tonight what their intentions are. I think there's an awful lot we don't know. There are things that uh, we think we know. Um, 
What we do know is that the EDD has been down to yellow in San Jose. They have imposed a $7 million fine on them. They told them that it would cost them $1.2 million to file an appeal. Now, the conditions under which we all have our gates and gas contracts are under scrutiny or will be under scrutiny by EDD. I can't speak for yellow. It's not my company. But my understanding is that they are not trying to be boogeymen here. What they're trying to do is find ways to save the gas and gates contract, not to destroy it. Thank you. Thank you. There is nothing in the taxi cab rules and regulations that prohibits yellow or any other cab company get prepayments. So this is absolutely completely legal. Our association, the Independent Taxi Association, is completely 100% supporting that. And in my point of view personally, I think any cab company, we don't do it in the black and white yet, but I don't see any problem. And I don't think it is my business, frankly, or any other cab company's business. In fact, I believe it. I don't think even it's your business to tell how yellow cab company or any other company have to operate their business. Thanks. Good evening, Commissioners. I'm confused. I thought you had said, Mr. President, that we'd have as much time as we needed to explain. But I see I have 50 seconds. And even though I'm a fast talker, I'm not going to be able to do it. Number one, when I was here two weeks ago, I got the sense that you wanted us to back off, and we've done that. The only thing we are doing is to use a section of our lease that we've had for 10 years that says the company, yellow cab, can ask for the gates at the beginning or the end of the shift. And that's what we're doing. There seems to be this bookkeeping or technical question. Many drivers finish up on Monday afternoon and prepay for Tuesday on Monday afternoon. Or they can come in Tuesday morning and pay for Tuesday. It's the same thing. We don't have money traders overnight using the money that the guys may leave on Monday for Tuesday. Again, it's been stated, we are doing what we need to do to stay in business. And that may mean trying to keep the status quo. Are there any questions for Commissioner? Yes, I would like to know what else you've been doing during this period of time since you started this new. That's about it. Some drivers are choosing to prepay more, which allows them the flexibility to turn in X amount, Y amount, or Z amount. Instead of having to turn in, say, $100 at the end of the day, they can turn in $50 or $150. They have some flexibility if they want to. But we're only asking for them to have prepaid the amount of that day's gate, not $96.50. On Sunday morning, it's $60. On Friday night, it's $130. That's all we're requiring at this point. Some drivers are turning in $90 on Monday and then coming back the next day and putting $5 more so they can have $95 for Tuesday. Our night shifts tend to be progressive. So just to clarify, right now it's just a one-night, one-shift prepayment. That's the requirement. Right. And it's been in our lease for at least five, maybe ten years. And that didn't require anybody to sign any kind of a new lease because that's already in the lease. Right. I have a question for you. How many drivers do you actually have on your basis there that are working for you? You know, I have complete ignorance, but I would say about 998 would be my wild guess. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
And currently, how many complaints do you have right now about this system that you have in process? Complaints from non-yellow people? No, Lots. From, complaints no. from yellow people? Yes. Not very many. Mr. Slaughter, what's the difference from yellow's perspective of getting the money at the beginning of the shift versus the end of the shift? Why do you care? Again, it goes back to keeping the status quo. Both us and our customers, the drivers, in my opinion, want to keep the status quo. And the recent events of cab companies in the Bay Area and around the state and around the country seems to indicate there may be some changes in status quo, and we're trying to hopefully be a little bit ahead of the curve. Do you intend to, in the future, seek prepayments beyond just one day? Depends. Depends on what? On other factors. What other factors? For example, the other agencies that can regulate our business. Are you saying to me that if permitted, you would do that? I don't understand what you're saying. I'm saying this all started because of changes in the industry around the Bay Area and the state. We're trying to stay ahead of those changes and keep our status quo. And the status quo being, at least for gates and gas drivers, being just a day? Absolutely. And you have no intention for gates and gas drivers. You're telling us, this commission, for gates and gas drivers, you don't want to be in a position where you're going to request more than just a day? It depends. If you asked me if I was the absolute authority and control over our company and no one else could change it, I could give you a definitive answer. I understand that the state might be able to. Are you talking about regulations that might come down from the state? Is that what you're referring to? I don't know the state. There's various agencies that control this, not just San Francisco. So the state might be one of the big ones, yes. Okay. I'm not being coy. I'm being really as direct as I can be. I don't want to give you – I try and believe my word pretty much is my bond. Okay. Well, you know vast – you have a pretty good idea, I think, about where you think this issue is headed, don't you? Absolutely not. I have no idea where this issue is headed. It can go one way or another. Okay. Well, let me ask it this way. What would cause you – what kind of action from some sort of third-party agency would cause you to seek to have prepayments of a week or a month? It would be an agency that said if you want to keep the status quo, you have to make these changes. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me. You've got to break it down. Tell me – that would not be the status quo, right? Let's just say things were a certain way a month ago, let's say, or two months ago. Let's call that the status quo. Well, no, let's call today the status quo. What you've just told us is that as of today, you are not seeking more than a day with prepayment at the beginning of the shift or the end of the shift, more than a day's prepayment, correct? As of today, that's correct. Okay. So what would happen to say, actually, we want a month? What do you think might happen? I'm asking you. I don't know. I don't know what might happen. Well, you've just told me that there are situations under which you might need to go and request a week or a month. That's correct. Okay. Tell me those situations. I don't think – I don't know what those situations might be. Commissioner Slaughter, let me add one of the reasons this is coming up, and probably the main reason it's coming up, is a sheet, an information sheet published by the EDD setting out guidelines for employee versus independent contractor status. One of the characteristics of an employee status 
would be someone who paid nightly or gates of gas, whereas someone who was an independent contractor status was someone who paid 28 days in advance. That's from a sheet from the EDD. So it, that's where all this is coming from. It doesn't say that exactly. It just says that one of the guidelines that they use to make a determination, and again, this is just the EDD, the DIR has a whole different thing. The EDD will look at these factors that are present in a relationship between a taxicab driver and the company with which that driver is affiliated. And they'll say, hey, for purposes of UI and SDI and a paycheck stub, you're an employee versus you're an independent contractor. And one of those guidelines is collects a prepayment, the company collects a prepayment of 28 days or greater. I think the word that, that maybe I didn't include was the, the, the concept of risk. Is the person that uh, leases, is he at risk or is he or she at risk? And the definition of what's at risk is X risk, is Y risk, is a month risk, is a week risk, is one day enough risk? How much risk is risk? And I can't, I really can't answer that. That's determined by a, a higher authority. And that's why, I mean, if I, if I seem to be not direct, it's because I don't know. Okay, and they won't tell us. They won't say, if you go 12 inches, that's a foot. They say, if you go 12 inches, well, it's a distance. Okay? I'm happy to answer any other questions to the best of my ability, which is pretty consummate, but it, it does have limits. May I ask a question? Yes. Are you paying UI now? Are we paying? Yes, are you, are you I don't know. I don't know if we, we pay, but we, we have declared in our contract that we won't deny anyone claiming UI based on the fact that they're an independent contractor. Okay, so if a person goes, files for UI, you don't contest that, and you're paying some percentage we don't payroll into it? We don't deny their claim based on the fact that they lease a cab from us. Okay. And that's about the best I can answer that. Do you know what the fee, what... What the, no, okay. The percentage or anything like that, you don't know? No. Okay. How about SDI? Are you withholding it from anyone? No. Okay. I think people purchase that on their own. They buy that on their SDI own. SDI It comes out of the paycheck and goes into the fund. Yeah, okay. That's, that's not, not employer matched. Right, well, okay. I won't clarify that because it's too complicated to go into, and I'd rather have the EDD person here to explain all of that. Uh, if I, just make I think one that's one thing we can all agree on is that. One quick summation. The, the paper before me says resolution urging San Francisco tech cab companies, but it, it seems to be really means yellow cab. And uh, lastly, I just want to urge you uh, not to urge us. Thank you. If you have any other questions. Thank you. Thank you. This is the most current written policy that Yellow Cab has issued to its drivers. It's dated July 29th, and it says here in writing, and this is what we've got to go on, um, that the initiation date of the full prepayment program for drivers who have not yet placed the full prepayment amount into their accounts is hereby advanced to December 2008 or earlier, if possible. And what they're saying is that in the meantime, since you've got until December to pay the full prepayment amount, in the meantime, you're going to be required to put a $100 deposit on that prepayment. Then you've got till December to pay the full amount. 
So what we just heard and what's actually in writing are not the same thing. They're two different things. Okay. They're demanding the full prepayment amount by December. Uh, secondly, this flyer here, here, this is the copy of the full EDD information sheet. It's three pages long. Is this all the time that I'm going to get? What does that flyer say? <laughs> this flyer, uh, in regards to one of the issues uh, that was brought up um, in terms of risk, Okay, well, this this is an available. Document. Well, no, the driver. The, this this is saying, and you can have I know. a copy of this. But the, this is saying that if you have an answer to the, a daily if you have an answer to the question that Commissioner Saval asked you, you can it's, answer. It, it Otherwise, says, it says, okay, it says. I'd like some more information. That okay, you have what on this says is that drivers who pay a daily gate fee is not considered a significant risk in investment. That does not count as what is considered a significant loss or investment of risk. But this, I mean, this also, there was, the reason why Yellow Cab says it's implementing this prepayment policy is to shield itself from the possibility of coming under the radar of a government tax audit. That is the reason why they are implementing this policy. Okay, the prepayment, because they okay, need to you're, be able you're, to, you're one to minute be able to classify over. You still have a question, Commissioner? Okay, I'm so sorry. Uh, if I, if I could just over. ask one quick question. Yes. Quick question. Could you give me the date on that letter again, please? This is dated July 29th of 2008. Is there a second okay. side to that letter that's yes. addressed to the gates and gas drivers? Wait, please. There's two sides to that letter, right? One is addressed to long-term lease drivers and the other is addressed to gates and gas drivers. This is, no, one is addressed to the lease drivers who have not paid the full prepayment amount. And who's the and other, other one is addressed, addressed to? to the lease drivers who have paid the full prepayment amount. That's something totally separate from one month long-term lease drivers or one year long-term okay, lease that, drivers. That, the, the, excuse me. The reason I brought up the, the question of the date, if that was before the commission last met and, and the um, yellow cab has not gone forward with that letter, then perhaps what we might want to urge Yellow to do is to update their memorandum. You know. Okay, that's all. Well, what I would urge Yellow Thank to you. do is no, no, no. That wasn't that wasn't right. to you. Your time is that up. Wasn't to you. I hope we discuss, uh, you know, I hope we are, you know, I, I'd be happy if we are discussing for the driver not to pay a gate at all. We're now discussing if when we paid before the shift or after the shift. I want to be an independent contractor. I want to pay my, my gate in advance. I don't want to be an employee. In Vegas, you're an employee. You grow $300 a day. They take 60% uh, of that gross, which is about 180. You end up with 120. They deduct federal and state, medical, and, 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 and uh, what do you call uh, disability, and you end up going home with $75 to $80. That's mean you're making less than $8 a day, uh, an hour. So uh, I urge all the drivers to prepay the gate and keep business as usual. And if you can afford to pay, you'll get $700 to $1,700 a month, go do something else. 
Maybe flip a burger or go build a doghouse. When I was in law school, what I learned about independent uh, contractors, and by the way, I practiced for legal aid in Chicago, so I could be wrong. Maybe I'm out of touch. I learned that generally speaking, the independent contractor brought the tool to the job. When the employee went to work, if the tool the taxi was provided, it's a pretty good indication of actual employee status. Commissioners, I believe the thrust of the resolution of the Board of Supervisors was not whether you should be sitting and pondering if what Yellow is saying is illegal. I believe the thrust is they gave you a mandate to declare it illegal, and you have the re regulatory authority as a public utility to do so. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. <coughs> you mean, it's a sh I want to tell you, you can look up this Yiddish word. It is a shanda that you give us only one minute to talk on a topic that affects their livelihood and their ability to do, make a living and their morale. And it's very interesting to watch the banter that goes on from the labor representative and you, the driver representative, you are a disgusting, disgusting representative of this industry, of this, of the drivers, yes. because the drivers need to feel that they're taken care of. They can feel good in their job. They can take care of the customer. They can drive safely, and they can, and they, and they can take pride in their work. And, and if, if we have to go through this, even after the board of supervisors said don't do it, and you have to debate it, that is disgusting. It is a shanda. Look that Yiddish word up. And in closing, I want to say that Jordana, I watched it on, on TV. Jordana did a fantastic job of her presentation. And the thing is, the DIR showed that they're still employees, whether or not they do prepayments. Thank you. Next speaker. Yeah, I appreciated the comments that John made, that there's a letter in circulation that contradicts what seems to be the practice at Yellow, and that should be clarified. Um, otherwise, what Yellow has done in response to what you've asked them, I think is very cool. They've really, in effect, just collected one-day prepayment, and it's really in response to EDD coming down and probably the state of California desperate for money. If they could prove taxi drivers are employees rather than independent mm -hmm. contractors, they can get millions of dollars out of the cab industry. And so until EDD... They apparently said the 28-day 28, 28 thing on the sheet is just a guideline. So to call their bluff, it would appear the company is keeping it down to one day and say, okay, the, the driver now has risk. We feel like they're an independent contractor even by your standards. And uh, I applaud Yellow for doing what they've done so far. If they keep it down to one day, I think that's great. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, commissioners, um I, I, I give you credit, you know, for I know everybody's trying hard to understand this, but with all due respect, I don't think there's a lot of understanding about the tax industry um, here. And, and when I say that, I'm, I'm talking about 10 years of, that I've been going to meetings across the United States looking at how the companies operate. I think I mentioned this the last time. San Francisco is one of the last only places that has 
the old daily gate and gas. You know, talking about it being illegal, to me, I kind of sit there and I almost want to smile at it and say, why do you think this is illegal? You know, if you go to any other city here in the Bay Area and go drive a cab, you're going to pay a week or a month in advance. You know, something that we've been able to not have to do. So I wish you'd really try to really understand what the industry is all about. And I would also suggest you check very carefully before you pass resolutions to tell you what we can't do. Check with the city attorney to make sure you're not trying to regulate something that you're not allowed to, you know, or shouldn't be regulated. And I think there's got to be a point where we're allowed to run our business and there's a point where we have to follow regulations. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmood. First of all, I would like to give these two pages for Commissioner Susan. One is the EGD webpage copy and then one page. The section which is involving this one is made in a big capital, so you can see that section separately, so you can please give it pass on to her. What's the story here? There are people who want to keep us employed. There are people who are not yellow drivers. They've been running their shop, their business, taking the money out of the yellow driver every few months. Hey, this is a newsletter. Buy my newsletter. Give me a donation. They have taken John Lazar money. They have taken Walsh money. They've been running it for years and years and running that office in the name of drivers. The story is here. EDD is coming. They're going to slap a hundred million dollars on Jello very soon. Jello is trying to find a way to stay out of that and keep the driver not paying the taxes by cutting Jello the taxes. Thank, Thank you. you. Is there anyone else who wants to speak on this? Okay, commissioners. I'm looking at you, Tom. If you're happy with this resolution, bring it forward. If you're not happy with it, I would urge us to rework it. Sorry, there needs to be one more line added to it before I make the motion, and that's uh, whereas the board of supervisors in resolution number, and I don't know exactly what number it is, their resolution is a copy of which is attached to this resolution incorporated by this reference, has urged the Taxi Commission to take action to curtail such prepayments, semicolon, and. And that can be added in, I guess, right after the uh, last whereas. After the first one? Cause it's after the after the last whereas. Okay. That oh, I see. To take action. Okay. And then to add their resolution to this one, Natural. So after the last whereas, it would say, um, it would say, financial challenges of this time, and whereas the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in resolution number. XYZ, okay. <laughs> uh, but isn't that already said in the very first whereas? I mean. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't put in the resolution number of the board. Of, well, I mean, that's where I would put it. It's already there, or, or else strike that first one and put it down there, but it's kind of redundant. Yeah, it's already there. Yeah. Hang on. Attorney Owen, what do you think? <laughs> He's the one that handed me that, so 
<laughs> if the resolution passes, we'll work something out. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I, I, you we, know. We I, do it at the Board of Supervisors, clean up stuff after. Okay, good. Well, they, the 11 of them did something, so i got to do something here, so I'll make the motion to adopt this resolution. There's a motion. Is there a second? Second. Any discussion? Well, I, I didn't hear you take out the uh, word deposits that I heard a, a number of people object to. Okay. Okay. I also... Um, Deposits or... I, I, I'm just any prepayments. I'm, I'm still not in favor of this resolution. I still feel that the whereas the State of California Employment Development Department, Department of Industrial Relations, so on have begun enforcing employment laws based on their interpretation of the employment status of taxi cab drivers. I think that's very leading, and I don't think we've got enough information to do that sort of a, a whereas there. Um, I would like to hear what our executive director finds out from the EDD, whether or not they can appear here, and, um, and that's just where I am. I'm going to align myself with your comments, Commissioner Breslin. I don't believe in urging things, people to do things. If we believe something is right, we should pass regulations requiring them. I believe this is an issue that's in flux. It's not resolved yet. There's still a lot of confusion around this, and I don't believe that Yellow Cab is taking any kind of monthly prepayment uh, program now, so I think it's premature in that sense. So for those three reasons, I also don't support it. However, I want to go on record as saying that I'm against monthly prepayments and that if there is any kind of a move toward that or if the state makes moves toward upsetting the way that the industry has been run in this city, that I will support you know, any kind of a resolution or even a city ordinance by the Board of Supervisors to address the issue. Anyone else? We have a motion and a second. We'll do a roll call vote on the resolution. Okay. On the resolution, Commissioner Gillespie. No. Commissioner Breslin. No. Commissioner Benjamin. No. Commissioner Onetto. Yes. Commissioner Suval. No. Commissioner Slaughter. No. All right. The motion fails. Next so, item. So, yeah, um, just one more thing on the EDD is that, um, you know, part of my duty is obviously to regulate the industry, but also to safeguard aspects of the industry and safeguard the ability of companies to conduct and serve the public here in the city. And to that end, the tone of my meeting at, with the EDD is that I'm going to be emphasizing that, that duty as far as protecting the companies in this regard and encouraging them that if they are intending to assess any judgments, then it's important that we, you know, that they take into account the continued service to the public in any decisions that they make. One of the reasons that we have Proposition K, which was a piece of crisis legislation um, from 1978, and along with many pieces of legislation that passed in 1978, uh, it, in my opinion, was flawed in some manner because of the crisis that it was necessary to pass it under. And, uh, you know, as a result of the, rather, the crisis that precipitated it, as we all know, was the bankruptcy, which resulted in so many cabs being off the street. 
and we really must avoid that at all costs. And so when I do speak to the EDD, I will, of course, be respectful to them, but I will also be strongly encouraging our role here, my role and your role, to safeguard this industry and to protect it from judgments that could be disastrous. So I just want to make sure that that's emphasized both to Yellow Cab and to others. Um, you know, um, believe it or not, this city does mean something to a lot of people in a lot of places, particularly in Sacramento, and uh, I think it would behoove people to remember that when they are considering implementing huge multi-million dollar judgments against particular companies, be it Yellow or any others. It does impact everyone in this industry. It's literally thousands of people. So that's all I'm going to say, and I very rarely make statements of that nature, but I am in this case because I believe very strongly in this issue on all sides. The next item is consideration, I'm sorry, is, yes, consideration of a resolution, speaking of Sacramento, urging the governor to sign Senate Bill 1519. Okay, I just want to clarify that this is, that this uh, uh, 1519 has been passed by the, by the state Senate. It's waiting signature for the governor. So I want to put this in the proper, uh, I think what we're actually doing is urging through the mayor's state legislation committee, urging the governor to sign 1519 rather than urging the Senate to pass it because I believe the Senate has already passed it. Yeah, that's, I just took the old one and so, yeah, that's not. Okay, so that first line would be urging. Urging. Um, Governor Arnold, whose name I, I can't pronounce. Can't quite spell at the end. <laughs> to, uh, Too late in the evenings. To sign Senate Bill 1519. Yes. Okay, so that would be a... Um, and then this will be directed to the Mayor's State Legislation Committee. And hopefully, as I understand it now, the, bears, or the governor's not signing anything until the budget is passed, so... He has some issues up there. Yeah. <laughs> We all do, as a result, yes. But at any rate, we would hopefully, hopefully, if we pass this tonight, this can get transmitted as quickly as possible so that it can get into the pipeline. Are there any questions about this legislation? This has to do with, we've already discussed this bill before. Okay, I'll take public comment for one minute if there's any public comment on this. <clears throat> for one minute. Uh, Mark Ruberg, and I, I just wanted to point out that although the president of the commission earlier stated that this commission has never, ever passed a resolution urging anyone to do anything, this one does, and others in the past have, and it was one of the most ridiculous, untrue statements that I've heard, and just another excuse not to do anything by the driver representative on this commission. Thank you, Paul. No, just to clarify, Mark, we've never passed a resolution urging a taxi company that we have jurisdiction. I'm going to finish, okay? You can sit down. You're done. I've never passed a resolution urging a taxi company in San Francisco that we have jurisdiction over to urge them to do anything. We've either passed laws telling them or not telling them. We can't tell this governor of California to do anything. However, we can pass a law a resolution urging him to do something. So just to clarify that, it seems simple to me, but it obviously didn't get through to you. You know, if, you, if, I, if I could just add to that, I was going to mention the fact that in this case, urging was the right choice of word because it is outside of our jurisdiction. Absolutely. But I thought it was too silly to bring up. Yeah, it so, seems silly um, to bring up. It seems so sorry obvious. Sorry about that. Paul. I appreciate that. seems so clear. Yes. 
Well, I, I'm here again, twice in one night. Amazing. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the proper form is, but I would uh, heartily uh, encourage you to pass this in the proper technical form. It's been many years coming uh, with legal cabs, and unfortunately for my company, Yellow, I would say 95% of the phony cabs are phony yellows. I've never seen a phony DeSoto or a phony Luxor or a phony veteran. So I do have a proprietary interest in banning illegal cabs since that would be banning 95% of the illegal cars that cause us tremendous aggravation. I called the cab. It didn't come. Uh, the driver was rude, uh, et cetera. So uh, I think this is very good, and I think it will go a long way to, to helping the problem. We've had this for, for as long as I've been in the business, 40 years. Out-of-town cabs come when it's busy and pick up people. And we don't. We have San Francisco cab on there. So congratulations, and I just hope you follow the whatever, the dot all the I's and the T's so it, it gets through and goes down. Thank you. Thank you. I, I read this legislation. Right? I tried to. And uh, it looks like uh, for it to be effective, it, has, it requires more steps than a Texas line dance. Um, I think this is a start. Uh, my understanding of this legislation, and, and maybe I don't remember all of it, is that all it does is prohibit uh, unauthorized cab companies from advertising in yellow pages or, or telephone. And it's more than that? Okay. Um, it gives me more power. It, it, it actually does. Yeah. Okay. I can go in and get a warrant. And, yeah. and from a court, and yeah. I can shut down. I can take. I can get AT&T to cut off the phone number, or Verizon, or whoever is right. providing it. Well, the, but but most of our problems with pickups, not that, as in a, as I understand, it, not people calling illegal cabs. And I hope that we uh, follow through with more legislation. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Public comment is closed. Is there a motion or discussion? Motion to approve. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Next item. The next item is adjournment. Thank you. <laughs> SFGTV, San Francisco Government Television.